0: DVE Sports.
1: All right, here's Mike Pursuto with your sports right now on the DV Morning Show.
2: Let's start with what transpired last night in Chicago. Lucas Giolito of the White Sox. No hits, the Pirates. Chicago 4, Pittsburgh nothing. Chicago 4 runs, 9 hits, no errors. And Pittsburgh, no runs, no hits, no errors. The only base runner, Eric Gonzalez, the Buccos shortstop who drew a walk. In the fourth inning, Giolito struck out 13 while improving to 3-2 and two on the season oh. with a 3.09 ERA. He threw 101 pitches in nine innings, 74 of them for strikes. Uh, Giolito's no-hitter is the 19th in White Sox history and the first in Major League Baseball of the 2020 pandemic-shortened campaign and the first since Justin Berlander last September the nineteenth. Uh, it's a no hitter, although it must be pointed out that uh, nine of the ten batters that Giolito faced had averages of two twenty nine or lower. Seven of them had they were averages.
3: <laughs> they were seven of them had no-hitted. averages
2: lower than two hundred, but a no hitter's a no hitter, and uh, good for him. Bucks Man. hadn't been no hit since Max Scherzer in uh, 2015. Pirates and White Sox will play again this afternoon, the second uh, of the two-game set in Chicago. Trevor Williams, 1-4 with a 3.70 ERA for the Pirates against Dallas Keuchel, 4-2, and two, 2.65 for the Pale Hose. Historic day for the Steelers yesterday as well, not because they had to move practice from Heinz Field to the south side uh, to get ahead of uh, an oncoming storm, but because... Their former Super Scout and the man who is credited as being the architect of the team of the 1970s, Bill Nunn, was announced as a contributor finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame's class of 2021. Uh, Nunn was selected by the Hall's Contributor Committee, which is uh, kind of an oversight committee designed to find people who should be in but aren't. And uh, in Nunn's case, uh, the committee certainly hit that on the head. The next step is Nunn receiving 80% of the vote from a from the 48 member selection committee uh, that that vote will take place on February the 6th 2021 in Tampa the day before the Super Bowl the good news there is he doesn't have to go in uh in competition with the other finalists in the other categories bill nunn is a category on his own he's either going to get the 80% or he's not it doesn't matter who else gets in and uh, I talked to one member of that selection committee yesterday and was told there's no way none doesn't get 80% of the vote. Uh, in addition to right. being that architect of the seventies, Bill Nunn's work, uh, as an advocate for athletes from what we now refer to as historically black colleges and universities yeah. is legendary. He was doing that, trying to get guys into the NFL long before the Steelers hired him in 1968. Uh, Bill Nunn wasn't just uh, the greatest scout of all time. He was uh, a civil rights uh, fighter and uh, a guy whose impact extended beyond the NFL. This is uh, long overdue in a lot of people's opinion, mine included. But oh so appropriate that Bill Nunn is the first scout in NFL history ever to be a finalist for the Hall of Fame. And he's going to be the first scout to ever get in the Hall of Fame. And uh, if you were on Twitter at all yesterday and you saw some of the reaction from the Steelers, their scouts and personnel people, and even some people around the league. This is uh, there are a lot of people that are really fired up about this, and I would be one of them guys. Long overdue, and uh, I know Bill. You know all too well the
1: history and the importance of what Bill Nunn did for the Steelers organization. It's uh, it's one of those things where, oh, yeah. if it were a movie, he'd have to have a pretty big role in, uh, you know, <laughs> in describing what happened. In putting together that Steelers dynasty that changed the the city, the the league, and uh, the sport uh, from that point on.
3: Yeah, I'm sure that there are probably scouts that were as good as him, but to have the cultural impact that he had, it just you can't compare it. I mean, one of the great um, things about the Color of Sundays, which is the book by Andrew Conte that I highly recommend everybody read, and maybe this will be. Um, just another reason to read it when he gets inducted is he's covering Jackie Robinson and he goes to Forbes field and he's not allowed in the press box. So he has to buy a seat in the regular. He has to sit in the stands to cover Jackie Robinson. So here he's covering this cultural uh, color line breaking or color color barrier breaking in the in the league, and he's all this change is happening, but it hasn't. The impact of the change hasn't been felt. It hasn't made its way to Pittsburgh yet. I mean, that's how far back he goes with this stuff, and it's it's just
2: incredible and and good for him. He deserves. Yeah, that was it. a he. He wasn't allowed to be in the Baseball Writers Association of America. So I, that it's wasn't crazy. just a Pittsburgh thing. Black writers weren't allowed in press boxes when Jackie Robinson was playing, uh, and I oh I, I so fortunate that I got to know Bill Nunn over the years, and uh, what a, what a prince of a guy! Uh, it's it, I wish it, this would have happened when he was alive to enjoy because he would have really enjoyed it, but uh, long overdue, and uh, it's going to be. It's going to be a hell of a day next August when maybe five Steelers go in the Hall of Fame if you count the three from this year and possibly Alan Fanny oh, yeah. getting in. Uh, last guy out of the bird turned out the lights. Uh, yesterday had gotten off to a pretty <laughs> promising start for the Steelers. Uh, you might recall I told you my theory that when defensive coordinator Keith Butler drops a dad gum or a dad gum and it means he's pretty confident with the way things are shaping up and if he doesn't, then he's a little uncertain as to what's going on. But uh, yesterday... Uh, Keith Butler talked about the importance of depth along the defensive line, and he said the magic word.
4: Really, during the, during the game, when you're wrestling with a guy that's, thick, um, you know, 300 pounds, you get tired, and so Cam and uh, to it uh, both those guys are going to get tired. We're going to need to to rest them a couple times. Uh, you know, Tyson, the same way, you know, we'll play him inside when we're, we're playing our Oki defense. So we've got, I think, a little bit of depth there. uh we got to be able to rest those guys and put guys in there that can be productive for us uh, when those guys, uh, you know, when those guys aren't
2: in there. Yeah. So you get a wrestling and a dad gum in the same uh, sound bite. That's a good sign for nice. the Steelers. <laughs> Butler also confirmed uh, Mike Tomlin's assertion that to third-round draft pick Alex Highsmith belongs, uh, although to the extent uh, Butler remains a uh, little uncertain given that uh, we're not going to find out uh, in terms of snaps that actually matter until September. No, no preseason games. It's all just practice. But for now, uh, outside linebacker Alex Highsmith uh, is realistically being perceived as a contributor.
4: Yeah, I think it is because if uh, we got to arrest those guys at some point in time, uh, Ola's doing a good job for us. Also, um, yeah, you know, but uh, Alex has really shown that he belongs in the NFL. He belongs where we drafted him at. Uh, do we really know that until we get him live action? Probably not. Uh, but what he what we've seen him do here in practice and stuff like that is encouraging uh, in terms of. Uh, us putting him in and having having uh, enough confidence in him that when he goes in, it won't be a huge drop off uh, from those two other guys. But you know, those two other guys are uh, you know good football players and, and probably elite in the National Football League. So it's going to take a little while for Alex to catch up with them. Uh, but uh, I think uh, he's got a real good attitude in what we're asking him to do. Uh, he's he's real good at learning. You don't have to tell him something two or three times. Uh, he usually gets it uh, after the, the the first time, and I've always thought good defensive football players learn from their mistakes. And what I mean by that is they don't they don't repeat them. Uh, and I think Alex is that type of guy.
2: Yeah, Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt need somebody to come in and give them a blow in games, and Alex Highsmith might be that guy this coming season. Uh, Jim Rutherford has uh, begun his rebuild, uh, retooling of the Penguins. Curious trade yesterday. The Penguins uh, send David uh, Warsawski, Evan Rodriguez, Philippe Hallander, and a 2020 first-round pick to Toronto for Kasperi Kapanen, Pontus Aberg, and Jesper Lindgren. Uh, The 2020 first-round pick was the one the Penguins decided not to give to Minnesota. They had the option of doing that in the Jason Zucker trade. Uh, That's the 15th overall selection And Hallander was the Penguins' second-round pick in uh, 2018, 58th overall. He's been playing in Sweden. Uh, For that, the Penguins get back the guy they drafted on the first round in 2014, Kapanen. Uh, They sent him to Toronto in the Phil Kessel trade. Kapanen uh, had 20 goals two seasons ago, but just 13 this year. Uh, Fell out of favor in Toronto when they tried him on the first line at the start of the season uh, with John Tavares and Mitch Marner. It did not work. He was a third-liner by the end of the year, 13 goals. Jim Rutherford thinks that Kapanen is a top-six guy uh, coming back to the Penguins. Uh, Kapanen thinks he's a different player than the one uh, the Pens traded years ago.
5: Um, and I think when I was drafted, I was a little one-dimensional. One I mean, I, I love to play on offense and with the puck, and um, everything else was kind of lacking for me, especially to make that hop into the NHL. Um, and I got... You know, i got traded to toronto and they put me through the the ahl process which i'm you know looking back at it now very grateful for um you know they turned me into more of a two-way player which i think uh has helped me in the long run for sure um so in that way i think you know i've been playing penalty kill for the last three years um, you know a bit more physical i've been trying to be more more gritty, um just more of an all-around person and, and a player too so um, you know, I'm older now than I was back then. So um, a lot a lot has changed
2: for sure. Remember the time that uh, we never questioned Jim Rutherford because every move he made struck gold and Stanley Cups? Yes, I do. That, was, that time has passed. I don't, I don't get this one, guys.
1: Well, that's what I was saying. It's like, it's good to look at it like, oh, well, you know, look at the Maple. Look how bad the Maple Leafs ended up on this trade. We ended up getting two Cups out of it. And uh, we ended up with the same guy coming back here. Uh, but does it make us better? Like you could uh, because it six. ended up. It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for them. Doesn't necessarily mean made a whole lot of sense for us. I mean, I don't know. Uh, time will tell GMJR. I, I, again, of all the changes that haven't been made into the Penguins organization general manager is the one that i thought stuck out like a sore thumb and was easily Mm -hmm. replaced no disgrace you know he has a chance to tarnish his legacy now whereas if he would have walked out after this year i think it would have been like ah thanks for the cups man and now he's risking get the hell out of town yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's it's, It's trending that way
2: trending that way
1: all right let's take a quick break we'll come back mr wednesday jeff conkle joining us here
2: whenever you listen to podcasts
1: The DVE Morning Show, Randy Bauman, along with Bill Crawford, Mike Persuda, And, uh, of course, it's Wednesday, and that means it's time for our friend, Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday.
3: Girl, Mr. Wednesday. I have been. Girl,
1: well, you found him. Here he is, Mr. Wednesday, Jeff Conkle. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing okay.
6: How's everybody there?
3: I mean, really good. Hanging in Sorry. there.
1: Really surprised about the Pirates getting no hit last night. That was uh it was a shock to wake up to that. Uh, I don't know if you saw that, <laughs> but the White Sox no. uh Lucas Giolito threw a no-hitter against the uh the Pirates and I believe he's already been reprimanded by the league. I mean, that was just mean. You know,
3: I it was there, too, much. A of guys yeah, too much. Too much. Fuck ninety, fined for bullying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the
1: only guy who throws a no hitter walks off the mound, and his teammates go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Big deal. Yeah, there's.
6: There's probably a lot of sarcastic uh, hand slaps on that one. Like yep, yeah. <laughs> the only one where yippee ding dong was probably uh, uttered a lot of times
1: as he was walking off the mountain. There, they were probably breaking the uh, taboo. Don't mention the no hitter the entire time. You know you're no hitting these little kids, right? You know you're no hitting.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know you got a no hitter, right, Lucas? Uh, Anyhow, as uh, th- th- sad as the uh, sports world are, the environment having a a, a tough time right now. And that's why some people have taken it upon themselves to be very eco-forward, Jeff. Eco-forward. is so much so that a uh, an eco-friendly dating meme popped up thanks to the Avocado Green Mattress Company. This is a company that makes hmm. eco-friendly mattresses. And of the claim is that 20% of Americans have broken up with a partner because they weren't environmentally friendly enough. So one out of every five people has said, you know what, Matt, you're just too much of a a, a footprint on on uh, on the earth, and that's no good for me. 69% think being environmentally friendly is an attractive trait in their partner. So those two jive, I guess.
6: Do you think that this is affected at all by the coronavirus because I felt like going into like kind of the February timeframe, I was having some real good momentum with taking those reusable bags to the grocery store. And now with COVID, I'm just like F that. Like I just have a constant barrel fire in my backyard where I burn (laughs) plastic bags, masks, (laughs) articles of clothing, (laughs) shoelaces that have touched dirty bathroom floors. Like that has gone out the window for me. So I might, I might be subjected to getting broken up with, I don't know.
3: Jeff, most places don't even allow you to bring your own bags in like Trader Joe's will not allow you to bring your own bags in because their philosophy is we don't want you bringing germs in here. We don't know where you've been. So keep those bags <laughs> out in your car.
6: <laughs> yeah, I just think this whole survey is a little bit ridiculous because like, you know, it's it was hard enough. I'm sure, I haven't dated in 11 years, but I'm sure it's hard enough dating it. Now, like a girl's going to break up with you because you don't know how to get rid of those paint cans in your garage. Like, I just feel like that's an unnecessary criteria. We're we're getting so politicized in this country. Like, you know, my wife, my wife never asked me, you know, what my views of uh, of carbon tax and carbon capping were while we were dating. And I'm kind of I'm kind of glad of that. It's just a shame that that's it's getting to that level.
3: I think 20 percent of the people who broke up with their significant other because they weren't environmentally friendly enough, 20% of that is female. I don't think that there's one guy Uh in that study, or if there is, that he was looking for an out and just used that as an excuse. Remember when we switched over to uh, the recyclables (laughs) and they didn't take glass anymore? She still put glass in. I can't be with this girl
6: well i said it's it's interesting that this survey was sponsored by the avocado green mattress like I love the subtle insinuation there, like having trouble convincing that crunchy hipping chick to have sex with you, why not bang on a sustainable <laughs> lead certified mattress avocado green mattresses <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm telling you right now all right this says fifty five percent of people said it's a deal breaker if a potential partner believed climate change was a hoax and um and have eco-shamed their partner by calling them out for environmentally unfriendly behavior. I have been eco-shamed several times by someone I dated uh, uh, a few years ago. And my current girlfriend, this is, dude, this is a big source of us fighting. She thinks I am the most, and I'm pretty good. She thinks I'm the most reckless person in the world because she is out of control. Like, she is way off the reservation with this stuff. She, I, show, I sent her a picture of the dumpster at my, you know, we're cleaning out my dad's house. it's yeah. There's so much garbage. A lifetime of crap has accrued. We're throwing it out. I sent her the picture. She goes, I hope that's not all going to a landfill. And I said, I have bad news for you about where garbage goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we are the, the always only time, fighting about this.
6: The only time I've ever eco shamed my wife, because she's actually pretty good about that stuff. But it's and this is probably true with most women is just regarding her toilet paper usage. Like, I, I don't know how much toilet paper we're going through. Like, I keep asking her if she's dressing up like a Halloween mummy every morning. But we're rolling through like a solid like Sam's Club rack every single every single week.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking about what it would take for me to break up with a girl if she was hot over the environment she would have to own a mill and drive a hummer with a real life actual bald eagle as a hood ornament like super glued (laughs) to the car for me to be like all right you know what this is probably too much (laughs)
6: <laughs> She'd have to believe climate change and the Holocaust were both a hoax for me to break up with her. <laughs> be it would have to get it would have to get that bad. Right, yeah.
1: Now I did stop a relationship in its tracks in the early going when um this girl told me she believed in the old testament word for like she thought it was all true. And I was like, You think the old testament happened? And she's like, Yeah and I'm like like you think there was a Noah's Ark with and he went and got all those animals she's like yeah it's in the Bible I'm like I think that guy lived in a whale stomach and she's like is that in the Old Testament I'm like I don't know it feels like it is but do you believe it if it was and she's like yeah I mean if it was if it is yeah, yeah. like I don't I don't know I feel like there's she, a lot of things in the Old Testament that are supposed to be allegory namely all of them
6: it sounded like she wasn't really that even familiar with the Old Testament. You should have started peppering in like <laughs> Avengers plot lines and see if she would. You think a guy could be frozen in the ice who was a super soldier in the 1940s and unfrozen again to lead a team of superheroes? <laughs> She'd never know the difference.
3: Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. I should Let's have taken talk it a little about Loki bit further. for a minute.
7: <laughs> like, what? <Even laughs> yeah, Loki's, Loki's a temp- god.
1: Eighty-four percent of people believe it's important for them and their significant other to have similar ecological values. And uh yeah, that's um, real real important. So there you go. Hey, this is this is according to the avocado green mattress company. So you may want to make sure you're aligning your ecological interests with your soulmate. Otherwise, it might not be your your long-term soulmate there that that might be the deal breaker for some i'm telling you right now it would be for my girlfriend if i was any worse than i am she would have no part of it i'm it's uh, it's uh, unbelievably annoying and we fight about it all the time because i am pretty like i recycle i do all the things you're supposed to do she's got me collecting glass now cuz they stopped collecting glass <laughs> where i live so she's like you have to yeah. put it all in a box bring it to me, and I will take it to recycling centers. I'm like, how about we wait till there's not a pandemic, and then we worry about glass? She's like, no, <laughs> no way. Can't just throw out all that glass. Give me a Does breath. she got yeah. you
3: composting or have a rain barrel yet?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. Yes. The compost uh, containers are on the way. On the way. Which I'm like, uh, oh, it's com- a great idea. I get it. I like it. In, in theory, I like it. But having to be like, okay, I'm just going to take the it's December. I'm going to go out in the backyard and bury the garbage now.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
6: Let me get a waft of that as I'm walking in the house, too. That's that's always a, that's That's other thing about a compost heap. You basically have a crap yeah. pile that's just drifting over to your front porch the entire time.
1: Yeah, I'm triggered by this uh, response. Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday. Always a pleasure <laughs> to talk with you, man. Thanks so much. All right. See you, guys. All right. Uh, Val's out. Susan Copen will be in with your news coming up a little bit later on this morning. The NBA playoffs are here in FanDuel Sportsbook in partnership with Valley Forge. Has a slam dunk offer you won't want to miss. Right now, new users can get special plus 2,000 odds on any team to make the NBA Finals. Just pick any team and bet 10 bucks for your chance to win 200 if they make it. You can use uh, this uh, offer on favorites. You can use this offer on dogs. The ball is in your court. And if you pick correctly, FanDuel get you your payout in as little as 24 hours because it's the right thing to do. They've got all kinds of different bonuses that you can bet on to third quarter insurance for those NBA playoffs, plus final basket bonus. You got to log on and see all the specials that they offer all the time. The app is really easy to use. They give you lots of different deposit options. Uh, as I said, live betting, all kinds of prop betting on every game, stuff you wouldn't have even thought of. It's super fun and with some uh, high odds returns it's fun to throw like 10 bucks on something and see if uh, you can uh, turn that into 200 bucks like you can with the plus 2000 special type in fanduel.com slash randy to get started that's how you get all those hookups they know i sent you that way fanduel.com slash randy fanduel sportsbook more ways to win Got to be 21 or older, present in New Jersey or Pennsylvania. New users only. Must wager on designated boost market. Max bonus $200. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call one 800 Pittsburgh. I have to thank your mom right off the bat for my awesome uh, uh, mask that your mom made for me. Because your mom makes masks, which I think is, like, a, adorable and just awesome. And she made me one upon request, and it is the coolest Stars and Stripes mask because I always like to, to rock the flag. The flag was really important to my old man. This is like the year of me getting over my dad's you know passing. So I was like, oh, yeah, the flag's always a good one. And this mask, let me tell you, Bill, it is my favorite mask because it mm-hmm. leaves nothing uncovered. It goes from right underneath <laughs> my <laughs> eyes all the way down boy. comfortably. You know how they, they ride up over your chin sometimes? Not this it's one. It's actually man. a it dicky.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it goes right down into a dicky. That's
2: right. <laughs> Randy Bellman and the
1: DVE Morning Show. I love my Mrs. Copen Susan Copen uh, joining us now here on the show. Hi, mm-hmm. Susan. How
8: are you? Good morning. How are you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're hanging in there. I was just, I got triggered by the last conversation we had about how much my girlfriend gets on my case. About how I don't meet her standards of environmental awareness. And I don't do enough. And like uh, Jeff Conkel was just saying, because of coronavirus, I've gotten even worse where I'm like, what's the point? You know, I'll still recycle cans and cardboard and all that kind of stuff. They don't do glass by my house. But so she makes me do the glass separately. She yells at me for basically if I don't repurpose every single thing, then uh, I am uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm leaving too big of a footprint on the earth. I don't know what to do about it. Other than, <laughs> you know, I got to be me,
3: <laughs> <laughs> and who I am and doesn't that might care, care about, about throwing
9: trash. out plastic. <laughs> yeah,
8: right. think about what well, her head must be exploding. Think about all the people, you know, especially in the height of uh, when we were all in quarantine. Everybody cleaning out their closets the amount oh. of trash every single week outside everybody's houses they're cleaning yeah. out the basement, mm-hmm. the garage, the closets, aye.
1: Well, Goodwill stops taking donations in a lot of places. They kind of were doing uh, on and off days because so many people were bringing stuff in. Uh, I, I was cleaning out my dad's house and you know, I'm going to be doing that for the next two months, trying to find a home for all of this stuff. I just called yesterday uh, the veterans group, uh, the VA, to come and pick up some old furniture that I had. And I figured that was a good place for some of it rather than trying to, you know, take it to Goodwill or like burn it in front of my girlfriend and go, look what you made me do, you know, just (laughs) have a freak out. Um, but they're going to come, they come to your house and they will pick it up as long as it's only as big as like one guy can carry. So if you just have it so that a driver can just throw it into their van, they'll take it for you. So that's one place if you want to recycle some clothes or some small furniture and stuff like that. But uh, like you said, everybody cleaned out their house and Marie condoed their way through their, their closets in the beginning of this and really yeah. cleaned things out. Now, did you uh, subscribe to the Marie Kondo theory of getting rid of your clothing or household items?
8: Uh, I throw, uh, well, I don't want to say I throw everything out, but I, I get rid of, there is no keeping stuff, you know. So in my house, there's, mm-hmm. I don't keep, you know, the the Jersey from high school, like somebody in my house has, because he hit a home run <laughs> and <laughs> it's very sentimental. Right. No, it's all gone. Um, but we cleaned out my daughter's room. She had this ginormous bunk bed system with a desk and the whole thing. And I put it up on a website. And uh, finally, some guy said, all right, I'll I'll buy it from you. And he came and got it. But now she has a mattress on the floor and no furniture. And we went this week to buy furniture. It's like everything's gone. gone. All gone. I went online to buy her a new desk. All gone. Nope, nothing in that size. Nope. You want a white desk to fit that specific spot Mm -hmm. in her bedroom? Nope, nope back order so now she's sleeping on a mattress on the floor
3: susan i heard that a couple of my friends went out to get desks for their kids for the new school year and they went to ikea and ikea first of all had like 50 people waiting outside in line to get in like there were they were already at capacity at ikea which is basically the size of an airport hangar and every single desk in the place said Oh, this has been oversold. That's been oversold. This is out of stock. This is you can't get this one. There's like two desks to pick from.
8: My my go-to place is always Home Goods. I love Home Goods. There was nothing there, and I said to the lady, "Where is all of your stuff? I mean, normally it's you, you know you have so much stuff to pick from. You're like, oh, do I pick that one or that one? No, she said, ah, it's all gone. I mean, we're talking everything. I mean, they had like a couch there and like a, a end table. There were no dressers, yeah. no beds, no desks. It's crazy. So it's yeah, so she's sleeping on the floor.
1: <laughs> um, my sister has basically, my older sister has taken, now she only has one kid left in the house right now. So she's, for her, that's pretty close to empty nest. So she doesn't know, she doesn't know what to do. They're older, too, in college. So she started selling everything in her house on eBay. And she's obsessed with it. And she's like, you don't understand. People will buy anything. And she's telling me about all this stuff that she's putting on eBay and making money on. And it is kind of crazy. Now she has some nicer things that it's understandable that they would sell, but there are like pointless little things. She's like, this stupid little, you know, uh stand that I don't even know, you know, my husband's mom bought it for us. Like it, it never did anything and never fit anywhere. She's like, it sold for like $75. And so now anytime I show her anything at my dad's house, she's like, don't throw it away. That's worth money. And I'm like, who's going to I'm not doing it. I'm not opening up a store. This is getting donated. <laughs> so then I found a bunch of old clothing and she's like, oh, my God, definitely don't get rid of the clothing. Take every item and then put take a picture of it. She's like, people will buy it. Vintage stores will buy it. I'm like, who's got the time to do all that? Like, I got a, one mission here. And that's to clean out the closets. I am not opening a store.
8: That is, that is the <laughs> problem. It's the time it takes to do all of yeah. that. And, and what are you going to price it at? And then are you going to have the person come to your house to get it? Are they a serial killer when this guy came to get my daughter's bunk bed? I locked them in the basement. My kids (laughs) I locked them in the basement (laughs) and I made sure my husband was home. And then I hid in the living room looking out the blinds to make sure they weren't trying to kill him in the front <laughs> as he, as, it was, it was like the nicest family that came to get it. Oh, yeah. I was like, I'm not taking any chances, kids.
1: They're like, like, I shot him Preemptively. I just wanted to make sure I just
3: gave him one in the knee. Just so he, so he was wounded. I picture that couple standing outside their house with the guns. <laughs>
7: right. like, this is just a
3: Facebook marketplace sale. Yeah, you're basically know. doing then- the last scene from
1: Reservoir Dogs trying to sell a dresser. <laughs> Everybody's... So <laughs> you?
8: if Who are you're are willing you? to do all of that, then, you know, go for it. But there was a lot There was a lot that went into selling this, uh, this bunk bed system. And normally I would just give it away, but I was like, well, if I can get a couple hundred bucks for this, why not? It cost me a oh, lot yeah. of money.
3: Right. Randy, remember a couple of years ago, I told you I just started selling shoes online like you. I used tennis shoes. People were were buying and and that was a lot easier for me because you could just put it in the mail like you don't have to actually, you know, walk up to somebody with a Rambo knife in your in your driveway. Um, So that was that was nice. But then you don't clear the whole thing and then they try to haggle with you. Like i had it listed for a price and the guy goes how about 30 dollars less than that price you had it listed for and i go hey how about no uh we're not haggling here this isn't a yard sale the price is the price i don't care i'll keep the shoes
1: i like a haggle i'm a good my i learned to haggle scalping tickets a long time ago so that to me there's an art form to it my dad was always real big on it, and it would tell me when I, I had a good haggle or I caved too much. He'd be like, Yeah, you caved, you know. And he'll be like, Way to stick to it. <laughs> He's like, Walk away. You got to walk away. He goes, As soon as they come down, you go ah eh, ah eh, and walk away. He's like, It'll cut them right in half right there. So if you want thirty, they say fifteen. You say, uh, uh, I'm out of here. The guy will go, Whoa, 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 twenty oh, well, two.
3: Come back. Yeah, but that that's my point is that virtually that goes away. Haggling is really an in person sport. Like, what are you going to do? Like, I'll log off. I'm going to log off. No, don't log off. Don't log off yet. I mean,
7: <laughs>
1: there's a there is a scene in the Pittsburgh film, the movie, an American pickle, which I don't know if you guys have seen that yet. The Seth Rogen movie. I watched it last mm-hmm. night, but they have a scene that is reminiscent of uh, Monty Python's The Life of Brian about haggling, where the Seth Rogen character comes back from 100 years where he'd been you know frozen in time in a pickle vat. And so it's a guy from the turn of the century on Butler Street in Lawrenceville selling pickles that he made, and the guy's like, "Oh, how much for for these these uh, artisan pickles?" And he's like, uh, "You know, four dollars, three dollars less than in the in the fancy stores." And the guy's like, "Okay, great, here you go." And he's like, "You know, haggle?" And he's like, "What do you what do you mean?" He's like, "You're just going to take price. You're not going to haggle." He's like, "No, <laughs> this seems fair." And he's like, "Why won't you haggle?" Cuz haggling that's how it has been done throughout time, Bill.
8: Was that movie any good because I I really want to see it.
1: Here's what I'll say about it. It's entertaining if you're from Pittsburgh. And I think okay. that it I think okay. it, it's like a good story, good that's message. Me. It just it's all over the place, I think. And I was also kind of half paying attention to it to be quite honest with you. I was seething for I, sitting next to my girlfriend who'd been yelling at me for not being eco-friendly moments before that.
7: <laughs>
8: Did I tell you that I auditioned for that movie to play the news no! anchor and the reporter? Yeah, yeah. I no. didn't get the part, obviously, but I thought you, I nailed Emmys it. How many Emmys have you won and you couldn't get the it. role? Right. I know. I, I thought I nailed it, but no, I didn't. So, um, so I want to see it because I want to see who got the part of the reporter and who got the part it's of an the actress. anchor. So oh, it to an actress. Okay. Okay, well, that would because make sense. Meryl it's
1: nobody Street. local.
8: <laughs> nobody local is in it. Okay, that's, no. that's well, there's tons the, of local people,
1: but it's not. It's not like uh, you know, um, somebody. I can't even think. of it. It's not like Janelle Hall got the gig or something like that. You know what I mean? Right,
8: right, right, right. I wish I. But could But that remember was the one lines. glaring
1: omission: the lack of believability in the in the news anchor role.
8: Oh, see, when they (laughs) sent me the script to come in and audition, I didn't know you had to memorize it because we don't memorize the news. And so I (laughs) went into the audition. They're like, "Okay, go. So I'm like looking down, reading the script, you know, and she said, no, you you need to just say the lines. It was like two pages. I said, I can't memorize this. And she goes, well, that's why we sent it to you last night so you could memorize it. Well, that's not that's not how news anchors do it. I need a teleprompter or I, you know, I look down at the <laughs> script and I, I say the words. I didn't memorize it. So maybe that That's was hilarious. my undoing there. Yeah. He's oh, an international wanted. You're not a news, like, you're I wish not a I news anchor. Up, I
1: <laughs> you're an actress playing a news anchor. No, no, no. I'm giving you the real deal. Oh. Now let me read my lines. Marlon Brando did it that way. On The Godfather, he had his lines pinned on Robert Duvall's
3: lapel. Somebody hold a napkin with my words on it.
1: <laughs> that would have been great if you would have gone into the audition with all kinds of just cheat sheets, and pinned them on all the casting agents. Post-it
3: notes.
8: <laughs> yeah. oh, they were so nice to me, though. They're like, just do it again. No, you're good. It's getting better. Do it again. I'm like, oh, you should have put well, we a note did, like, on a there bit that said, a... please memorize
1: we did like a punch bug game where we tried to point out where things were in Pittsburgh. Some of them are super obvious, but they did some really tricky things with um, the North side where they would like film multiple scenes and it would look like he was going all over the city and he was literally just walking on two sides of Ohio East Ohio street. So it was like a montage where he's supposed to be like all over the city. It's like, Oh, he's just across the street going in the other direction, you know? Like that's, <laughs> that's movie magic. And so much of it was done in Allegheny commons. Um, and mm-hmm. like, you know, it's just set up to be like, uh, you know, the park in Brooklyn and stuff like that. And it's, it's good. It's cool. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, I wanted it to be a little bit better, but anytime Here, there's a movie, my, about I'll, I'll watch a
8: movie
3: just for that. Yeah, me too. You want
8: to hear, you want to hear my lines? I found them. Herschel Greenbaum, the time-traveling immigrant who captured America's <laughs> hearts and minds, has fallen from grace. There you go. That was the opening line. There are so, I mean, it was like pages and pages and pages yeah. of... With his business and reputation ruined, I think it's safe to say this is the last we've all seen of Herschel Greenbaum.
1: Yeah. <laughs> See, that's um, why I
8: didn't get the job. Terrible Yeah, that's reason. not
1: very... That's not realistic either. You wouldn't say, I think it's safe to say,
8: we've seen the last
1: of
3: that perp.
8: No news anchor is going to say this.
3: Herschel Greenbaum has found himself in a bit of a pickle. More at 11. Did Dave
1: Crawley uh, audition for it with a big rhyme about Herschel Greenbaum? (laughs) It's just a poem.
8: Herschel. This was the reporter line. Herschel, your pickles are the hottest thing in Brooklyn. How does it feel to be such a runaway success?
1: Yes. Yeah, that that was an actor. They didn't get anybody local. for that. Well, they really screwed up by not getting you, Susan. Uh, I'd like to point That's that
8: right. out. Well, as as I'm reading these lines to you guys, I see why I did not get the job. <laughs> Herschel, I understand your pickles are made from rainwater. There you
1: go. Oh uh, Yeah, that was the on-the-street reporter. Right, yeah, the the on-the-street reporter. So that was way
8: beneath you. With a long line.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Susan Copen, she's more than qualified to do the job here. Uh, We'll uh, take a quick break. Come back. Mike Pursuta will give you the lowdown on the Buccos getting no hit last night. But Really, the big news in sports is a a trade for the Penguins that has a lot of people kind of uh, I think we're excited at first for uh, and uh, then kind of took a step back and go, wait a minute, what? And Bill Nunn, all but assured to be a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I think is really the most important sports news of the day. And, Mike, I know everyone over at uh, Heinz Field agrees.
2: Guy that, uh, for whatever reason, just never got recognized, but uh, one of the most uh, important contributors to the team of the 70 Steelers, you, you know, put them up there with Chuck Knoll and Joe Green and anybody else because he's the guy that went out and found the players and looks like he's going to finally find his way to Canton.
1: Greg Warren joins us 745 and Mr. Skin's got a new documentary out. So we'll talk to uh, our old friend, Mr. Skin a little bit later on. That'll be like 845 this morning here on D- DVE Sports. All right, here's me with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike.
2: Sports this hour brought to you by Bridgeville Appliance. The Pirates got no hit in Chicago last night. Lucas Giolito of the White Sox turning the trick on just 101 pitches, 13 strikeouts, and one walk for Giolito in the 4-0 gem. And it's really hard to imagine that uh, such, a, such a fate could befall the Pirates. They sent a lineup out there. Uh, that included Adam Frazier hitting 194, Brian Reynolds hitting 212, Josh Bell hitting 198, Gregory Polanco hitting 143, JT Riddle hitting 174, Jared Dyson hitting 157, John Ryan Murphy hitting 167. I mean, how do you keep these guys off the bases? But Lucas (laughs) Giolito found a way. Uh, I kid a little bit, no hitters and no hitter, and uh, there there aren't that many of them. Uh, It's a hell of an accomplishment, 19th in White Sox history. First in Major League Baseball since Justin Berlander last September the nineteenth, thirteenth against the Pirates, in their history they'll uh, try to get at least one hit today when the two game series concludes on the south side of Chicago. Trevor Williams against Dallas Keiko Bucks fall to seven and eighteen. They're hitting two twenty one as a team. Two twenty one as a team. Each. Steelers got some uh, long-awaited good news yesterday as they moved practice from Heinz Field over to the indoor facility on the south side uh, to get ahead of some oncoming weather. Uh, The Pro Football Hall of Fame's Contributor Committee announced that Bill Nunn is the contributor finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame's Class of 2021. Nunn will have to get the seal of approval from 80... percent of the 48 member selection committee when uh, it votes on february the 6th 2021 the better news is that none is uh as the contributor finalist is basically in a category by himself uh he doesn't have to be considered more worthy than any of the other finalists if he gets 80 percent of the vote he's in uh I talked to one member of that committee yesterday and was told there's no way he's not getting in that's One guy's opinion, but that's uh, the way the wind's blowing. Mm -hmm. Bill Nunn, uh, the Steelers have maintained, long deserves enshrinement in Canton. What made him so special as the architect of the team of the 1970s? Mike Tomlin talked about uh, what uh, Bill Nunn meant to him and uh, how Bill Nunn rolled following practice yesterday.
10: You know, I learned a lot from Bill formally, informally. Uh, The journey that he walked that was his life um, was something to be learned, but just strictly vocationally, from from a, a talent evaluation standpoint, um I was always really impressed how he never let football get in the way. Um his evaluation style was purely based on pedigree, knee and ankle flexibility, body control, fine motor skills, top end speed, measurables, uh things of that nature. He never got distracted by the football and he kept evaluations pure from a pedigree standpoint. I always was always really impressed uh, and marked by that.
2: And, guys, that was a directive from Chuck Knoll. When when Noll was hired and Nunn was there, uh, had just recently been hired by the Steelers after uh, being a sports writer for the Pittsburgh Courier, Noll told Nunn, go find me athletes. We'll turn them into football players. And the rest is NFL history. And in Bill Nunn's case, it's more than NFL history because he had been an advocate for athletes from the uh, what we now call historically uh, black colleges and universities long before he started working for the Steelers. He used to pick a black All-America team every year. That uh, Well, he did such a good job, the NFL eventually had to pay attention and start drafting these guys. <laughs> and uh, a lot of them are going to be in Canton with Bill Nunn. Uh, the presumption is he's going to pass muster in February and finally take his rightful place in the Hall of Fame. He'll be the first scout so enshrined. That is so incredible. Well, I mean,
1: long overdue, no doubt about it, but uh, this is a story that needs to be told for people outside of Pittsburgh who might not know it. Uh, and an important time for a story like this, too. Uh, you know, in in light of everything that's going on around the country, being recognized for what he did by scouring the historically black colleges and universities and bringing all of that talent into the NFL, esfe- essentially changing the face of the league, Bill.
3: Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense. It's on brand for him to maybe be overlooked or not considered for all these years. But all it really takes is for somebody to bring his story to the table. That's why I think he's a shoe in, too. You couldn't listen to his impact and what he did by somebody who was on on the ground when he did it and say, no, nah, this guy doesn't deserve to be in.
2: Yeah, it's a, right. it is It is long overdue, but there's something very appropriate about him being the first scout, even if it took longer than it should have. That's, uh, that is his rightful place, believe me. Uh, we also heard from Mike Tomlin this week uh, giving Alex Highsmith, the third-round outside linebacker from North Carolina, Charlotte, the seal of approval on Monday. Tomlin said that uh, Alex Highsmith has proven he belongs, as has second-round wide receiver, Chase Claypool. TJ Watt did some zooming yesterday and uh he concurred with the assessment of Highsmith and emphasized the need for Highsmith to take some much needed pass rushing reps uh during games in place of either Watt or Bud Dupree.
11: Uh I th- I think Alex has done a great job of just being ready in this in all these uh tough circumstances to be a rookie. And I think he he knows the defense really well. Uh, he's making all the proper calls. He's asking all the right questions. And uh, I feel like he can definitely uh, fill in when needed. And I think Bud and I found out last year that we we can't play the full game. We can't play every single snap um, if we want to play to our uh, fullest of potential. Uh, so I think he can definitely help rotate in the games this year. Of
2: course, it wouldn't be a day talking about the Steelers if we didn't talk extensively about Claypool who uh, continues to lighten it up and did so again yesterday, according to the practice report from the indoor facility. Defensive coordinator Keith Butler uh, did some Zoom time as well yesterday. And Even Butler was asked about Claypool. Uh, of course, it was me doing the asking, but Keith Butler had a pretty interesting response.
4: You know, when we first saw him, when I first saw him, I, I thought he had brick hands there for a minute, but I, I've been real impressed with him as, as of late. <laughs> that size and that speed, uh, you know, something that's hard to to defend, especially, you know, you get in the red zone and stuff like that and you start playing jump ball with a guy and, he, and he's got that size that he can body you up with or he can out jump you. It makes it, uh, you know, tough for us to defend a guy like that. So I'm, I'm uh, glad we got him uh, and uh, you know, I think uh, he's going to be a good football player for us. At, at least he's, he makes it tough on us to defend him. Uh, and uh, he's, he's kind of shown up uh, these last uh, last week or so. He's really uh, gotten better, I think. But I'm not coaching him. I'm just, you know, I'm watching him against us. And, you know, if we had to play him, I'm sure we'd, we'd find a way to double him and try to take him out if we could.
2: Now, he saved the best for last there, didn't he? We'd find a way to double him. What That's are we going to do, deal. put one guy on, on the other one's shoulders? Uh, the The ability to go up and get the ball, I think, is what distinguishes this guy. And and that is going to be difficult to defend. His ability to be a hands catcher, he doesn't let it come to his chest and then try to trap it. And he knows how to use his size and uh, and his uh, body type to, to achieve positioning. Uh, red zone threat at least, I think. But uh, we'll see. It's still just practice. Uh, Steelers counting it down to the September 14th regular season opener at the New York Football Giants. Penguins general manager Jim Rutherford uh, swung the first trade of the offseason yesterday. The Pens get Kasperi Kapanen, Pontus Aberg, and Jesper Lindgren from Toronto. They send the Maple Leafs' Evan Rodriguez, David Warsowski. Philippe Hollander, who was the Penguins' second-round pick in 2018, and a 2020 first-round pick. Is that all? Seems like uh, a stiff price to pay pay for a guy the Maple Leafs envisioned as a first-liner at the start of last season and uh, as a third-liner at the end of last season. Last season did not go the way Kasperi Kapanen wanted for himself or his team. Uh, He's coming to a Penguins team that also – is a bounce back mode.
5: You know, the last two years ago, I you know I had uh, a good season, and you know just coming in this year, I think right off the hop it wasn't you know the start that I wanted. and I, I don't think it was a start for the team that um, the team wanted either. So you know we made a small change, and um, tough to say. You know it's just one of those years where I guess you know a bit of a sophomore slump, and puck wasn't going in for me, and. And just overall, my game was very iffy, so um, something I wasn't too happy with. And, um, you know, I thought I'd try to get it back for the playoffs. And, and, you know, just me and I feel like our team could have done a lot better. So it's kind of, a you know, a, a bad way to end things with the team. But I'm very, very grateful for the opportunity that they gave me, uh, you know, these past five years. But it's got to look uh, towards the future.
2: Yeah, I'm sure when the Penguins sat around and had their organizational meetings after that uh, debacle of a performance against Montreal, how do we get better? How do we fix this? I'm sure it was repeated multiple times. Let's find a guy whose game was really iffy. (laughs) And give away our first-round draft choice for him. give Give away the 15th overall pick because, you know, why wouldn't you, Bill?
3: Randy, I feel like um, your girlfriend would love this trade because we've repurposed a trade that we previously made. <laughs> it's very eco-friendly.
1: <laughs> She'd be psyched. No doubt about it. Anytime. Her and GMJR get along great. Pull things out of the garbage. <laughs> shine them up. Make them new again.
2: Yeah, why not? <laughs> I don't know. It, they they keep acting like uh, they're at least... I shouldn't say they keep acting, but th- this implies that they still think they're close. You know, they're trying to win now. They've won one playoff game in two seasons. They're not close. The window's not open. They're not even in the house. They're down the road, uh, down the hill. Um, start building a team. Don't don't think in terms of windows. That would be my advice because the team you got ain't working. It's not good enough and need, need uh, major uh, surgery, not a Band-Aid. Greg Warren joins us when we come back here on DVE Morning Show.
1: It's the DVE Morning Show, and we're welcoming our friend from St. Louis, Missouri. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Greg Warren. Greg! What's up, man? Good Good to talk to you guys, man. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Now, Greg, for those who don't know, also host of a podcast all about the New York Times crossword puzzle.
9: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, uh, we we really wanted to cast a wide net on that. <laughs>
7: <laughs>
1: also, has a, a comedy special out right now on Amazon, where the field corn grows. Make sure you check that out. Uh, Greg, how you know besides sitting around doing crossword puzzles right now to bide your time, how how are things going for you here in the COVID uh, era? I mean, it's okay.
9: I'm a I'm a a little nervous about the. The virus. I've been tested six times. I think I've, I've uh wow negative Whoa. every time. Yeah. Um, and I uh I think I'm at more of a risk, I think, than most everybody for the virus because uh I t- I just touch a lot of surfaces, man. I'm I'm a I'm a leaner. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like I I, I li- like right now, I'm leaning on a table. I I uh I they're like don't touch surfaces. That's all I do is touch surfaces. <laughs> I would be Elbow deep in a pile of dead bats from Wuhan, China, <laughs> if it took a little pressure off my arches. You know <laughs> Greg, Greg, that's what started COVID. I know, man, but I'm tired. You know, I just I I really do lean on everything. A flat footed fella started this whole thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm uh leaning is just the first sign of a quitter, you know. I can't I can't even even when I sit, I lean. Like you ever Go into those. uh You go into a bar and they have the bar stools without any back. Oh, I'm leaving. I, 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 I mean, I I know the stool is supporting seventy percent of my body weight on the bottom, but just the, the other thirties up here with nothing. You know? I don't like it. Yeah. yeah, it feels unsafe. Yeah, I um, and I don't. I don't. I can't go to the gym anymore. Uh, you know, I'm nervous about being in the
1: gym. Yeah. Now, so so, I was going to ask you about that because my gym won't answer the phone. They won't let me cancel my membership. Oh, <laughs> they just yeah, won't answer the phone. Bro. And when I leave a message, <laughs> it's to the point now where they're just laughing hysterically. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah, like yeah. they hear it yeah. they're like, hey, this is our uh, Bauman again. And I uh, just want to cancel my membership. Those guys 75th
3: like, time reaching out they are uh, howling <laughs> with
1: laughter. They're just sitting back pounding free energy drinks and laughing their balls off.
9: Those guys were famous for not letting you cancel stuff before there was a pandemic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> my gym I, refuses. I, this thing, that is going to take to my grave. I am going to uh, be paying those guys $20 a month.
9: Oh yeah, no, they yeah, and 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 no, the thing about them is you could go through the whole thing about canceling, and they'd be like, oh yeah, 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 just sign here, yeah, and just put it's fax this thing, and then you'll be like, okay, it's done, and then you'll just get a charge the next yeah. January. <laughs> yeah, I have this gym in New York. They just send me an email every day, and uh and there's this whole thing you can go through. Like, I don't want to receive emails anymore, and they're really cool about it. They're like, yeah, yeah, well, we won't send you any more emails, and. And we're sorry to see you go. And and anytime you want to say just we respect your privacy. And then you're like, okay, good. We got that done. And the next day you
1: get an email like. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like becoming a vampire has less of a firm contract than the gym. (laughs) 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 Uh,
9: So I got to go to the I got to do the, um, you know, the street workouts. I like uh, I I, I walk. And I do like I've been doing the plank and the Pursuit push-ups. is big on
1: this. Pursuit does the tire. What do you do in the backyard, Mike?
2: Oversized tire, flip it up and down. No way, like the like a strong big, guy. The, the, yeah, the, well, the, not quite that big, but bigger than my uh, Lexus. It's a uh, tire. And <laughs> you hit it with a sledgehammer, and then I got the heavy rope, and you wrap it around a, a support pole for the deck. That's
9: fantastic,
2: man. I got to do something, right?
9: Oh, that's great. Yeah, I've been doing, uh, now I feel like a girl, you know. Doing like planks and uh, sit the chair things, you know. Oh, yeah,
1: sure. Oh,
3: yeah. Doing some Kegels. You you can work with your Kegels. Yeah,
9: yeah. Uh, yeah, the Kegels. And, uh, you know, I get the yoga pants through uh, Amazon. uh... (laughs) Uh, But I've been, so I go up to like the park. Uh, the other day and I do I do these sit-ups in the park you know and uh, which sit-ups is makes it's just a vulnerable exercise you're just on your back and you feel like somebody's gonna stab you or something yeah. and, uh, <laughs> this group of like middle school girls ride by on their bikes and uh, hmm. one of them Starts counting my sit-ups out loud. <laughs> That's such a great move. It was and it was like a laugh count. It was it was like there's a little vibe. She's like one, two, three, four, five. I, like I, I completely broke concentration. Like it was not a full like one. Ha ha ha. It was like what? Like it was enough that I couldn't pin her down on it. You know. Uh, it, she was she was bullying me completely. You know, like there was. <laughs> No, because she knew she could get away with it because i mean if it was an adult i would have i would have hit him i just if it was an adult and they started, <laughs> i would i just got up and i would just uh, hit him but it's a 12 year old girl and i can't prove that she was laugh And she could have just been like i was just practicing my numbers and i was happy about it you know <laughs> but she knew what she was doing like she knew what i was hearing when she said that was One, you're old, two, you're fat, three, no matter how many of these you do, you're not going to look or feel as good as you did 10 years ago. Four, why don't you go play with your grandchildren? Five, oh, you don't have any grandchildren? Six, you don't have any children? Seven, oh, you're a loser. That's why you're in the park doing sit-ups at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It It was brutal, man. (laughs) if <laughs> you do want to mess with somebody just start counting any activity <laughs> they do man if you if you like if you just start counting when somebody's talking to you it breaks their count one two what, what are you doing man what do you what do you what do you what do you, you count what are you counting man contractions i know i use too many I don't, you know <laughs> <laughs>
1: Greg Warren, yes. <laughs> uh, you might have read a little bit into uh, her. I'm just saying, you know. Yeah, I think. No, I, I did, did it, Randy. Did it. I know exactly <laughs> what I heard.
9: Okay, I was not reading any. She was a monster. She was a monster. And uh, you're not supposed to hate a 12 year old, but I hate that girl. I hate her. <laughs> she knew exact. She was a bully, and it was extremely calculated. Okay, I know what I
1: heard. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it's a risk you take. Exercising in public is, you're just so vulnerable. And the worst part, I think we'll all agree, is the stretch. If you're stretching or doing anything that makes you prone, boy, it does feel like an arrow is just going to fly in and just (laughs) pierce you at any minute.
9: (laughs) I'm not a big stretcher, man. I don't do it. No? Yeah, yeah. There was this guy that used to wrestle for Oklahoma State in Iowa and his name was Ray Brinder and he's like you don't you don't you don't warm up for a fight you know you just go so
1: I just go, man. Well, yeah, but <laughs> if you could, <laughs> maybe it would help. I mean, you don't you just I, set I, down I your beer and start throwing punches. Yeah, you, you, you usually don't, don't know, it's
9: know a fight's coming. I have a lot coming. of injuries, Randy. I mean, <laughs> several, several injuries. Not... It would be a
1: great move if before a fight you asked for a brief reprieve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, give, just give me a second here. No, gotta... I'm, re- I'm ready to go, and yes. I'm
9: going to kick your ass. But I, I, as soon I, as I do these hurdler
1: stretches, I just <laughs> need to loosen my hips <laughs> and hammies and yeah. then I'll be ready to go. That's a great point Randy. It's yeah. a really
9: good point. Uh yeah.
1: Great. So I, and then I
9: I stay I've been trying to figure out like what I what I could do, you know, learn or something sure. during with all this spare time and I, my um I want to once and for all be able to identify poison ivy.
1: I I can't do <laughs> it. I, I I can't do it. I'm so with you on that. I, Are you man uh, dude yeah. i'm in the woods every day and i'm like that's definitely poison ivy <laughs>
3: is it glossy is it, is it not glossy it's, is it four it, leaves it, or three
1: exactly yeah. it's it's
9: doesn't i can't do it man it, I, and i and i i get out there and i freeze up you know i i have people tell me and i'm like there it is uh, that's a petunia greg okay All right. <laughs> you know. but they, they, it's not as easy as it sounds uh you, uh you know i don't know if you guys have been outside lately but there's a lot of plants, like oh, yeah. a lot, a ton of them, man. Oh, yeah. And the only real advice you get, I, I Googled it. I was like, okay, uh-huh. I'm going to get this done because I want to go out in the woods a little bit more. And here's what they say. uh, Leaves of three. Let it be. Oh, hey, man. Thanks for the poem, but uh, it doesn't help. All right, there's there's a ton of le- there's a there's not just one three-leaved plant out there. By the way, there's a, a lot of clovers, for instance, three leaves. That that rules out all the grass. I can't go in the grass. Okay, uh, there's I looked it up. There's one. There's a there's a plant that looks exactly like poison ivy. It's called Virginia creeper, which I thought they caught that guy in Richmond like six <laughs> weeks ago. <but> I, <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it, the, the, that's all they have is that stupid rhyme. Yeah. I, I, so what I, my rule, just stay on the cement, basically, is, is how I, I deal with it. Yeah. I just, no plants. I'm, i here. Uh, uh, here's my poem uh, Stay on the concrete. Don't get a rash. Now, I know it's not a great poem. I know it doesn't rhyme or anything, but it's effective as far as not itching for 10 days. <laughs> ask somebody, by the way, ask somebody if to tell you, hey, man, just break it down for me. What is poison ivy? Because everybody acts like it's easy. They don't. I think it's like just, uh, Mike, I think it's just like, a, a, uh, like athletes that just have, they, it's innate, you know, because because they, cause they mm. can't teach it. That when they try to explain to me, yeah, no, it's the three and the red, uh, and then if you get real close, there's these little nodules on the leaves. Oh, close enough where your nose is on a leaf. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a little late. There.
1: It has a bitter taste. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. This is
0: definitely me. You're definitely pointing at me.
9: Which reminds me of that uh oh Bill, who was the waitress at the Pittsburgh Improv? I think it was Kim. Was it Kim?
3: Probably. Kim. Yeah, yeah. Kim sounds right.
9: Yeah, Kim Party Party Girl. Jared sure, like, oh, really yeah. funny. Yes. Yeah, Kim. pretty girl. Mm-hmm. Party girl. Yeah, Kim, uh when she was when she was in like the I don't know, like the seventh grade, her she had an older sister who smoked weed and she went outside with her friends and rolled up poison ivy. And uh, it sounds like a bit. She smoked poison ivy and had poison ivy in her lungs. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Kim.
3: Really tough to itch your lungs, by the way. Oh, my God. Yeah,
9: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those you have to eat a bunch
3: of back scratchers.
9: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that hand from the back scratcher doesn't fit down
12: there.
1: yeah man you have to smoke some gold bond you you know it's really the only way to soothe that just free base this gold bond you'll be fine yeah greg warren the uh amazon comedy special where the field corn grows make sure you you uh you download that if you haven't already or watch it streaming on amazon prime always a pleasure dude thanks so much for giving us a shout
9: great uh mike we got uh a double header with the pirates on thursday here in st louis
2: wow so two seven inning games yeah yeah i kind of like it man hope they don't get to the eighth inning where they got to put a guy on second i know man so stupid yeah, yeah.
9: <laughs> ghost runner ghost runner on second
1: pittsburgh number eight they say gardening together is a good date
9: that what? just sounds Rare. like you're
1: trying to get them you know it's like you know what else is great dusting together come on in i gotta <laughs> <laughs> you know what moving couches
3: together is a great date <laughs> come over and clean I mean, my garage with me
8: i i i love gardening and i i love watering my flowers but if some guy said hey come over to my house and we'll plant some flowers mm, um, Especially well, if you said it like that.
7: That. that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it puts yeah. the lotion. Hey, where you the going? Why are you
3: leaving so fast? You just uh, you're giving me blue bulbs <laughs> over here. Randy <laughs> Bellman and the DVE Morning
1: Show. Susan Cobbins hanging with us this morning. Listen up. Here's today's DVE Auto Deal of the Day from Right Hyundai in Wexford: a gently used 2017 Genesis G80. Competitive high-end luxury sedan. Excellent condition. Great miles. Only 11,540. Black exterior, beige interior, eight-cylinder engine, 420 horsepower, heated and cooled leather seats, navigation system, and onboard communication system. A premium sound system so you can jam out to Genesis while you're driving your Genesis. I suggest early Genesis. Go Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Plus satellite radio, (laughs) backup camera, dual moonroof, and more. Love the dual moonroof. One's not enough. Dual. Ridiculously discounted by $8,100, <laughs> price to sell at $35,750. five do not let this one get away. 2017 Genesis G80. You must come to some mis- not misunderstanding. There must be an understanding. You got to get to RightHunday.com. That's RightHunday.com. Susan Copen is with us now. Hi, Susan. What's going on?
8: Hi, good morning. Uh, Hurricane Laura is making its way. It is expected, she is expected to strengthen and make landfall tonight or tomorrow morning near Texas and Louisiana. Evacuation orders are in place there. Category three could get up to a category four with 14 foot uh, storm surge, which is a lot of water.
7: Yeah, Mm.
1: these could be brutal storms, and not to discount uh, the severity of them at all. But I'm I'm wondering about the gender assignment of the storm as a she, because I know boats are she's and storms are she's, but why?
7: Mm. Well, there's not all
1: because there's Hurricane Ivan. I guess there was there was was there's man there was Marco.
3: Okay, so. They're not all female. Not every storm's a no, she. No, no. I love how no. humans are going non-binary now, but with storms, we're still declaring gender.
8: Well, I declared the gender when I said she. Hey, listen, I don't know. I'm going to call this hurricane it. It is expected to strengthen <laughs> oh, and make landfall. Oh, how
1: you should do it. They. It should clown. be they or them.
8: They? Sorry.
1: <laughs> yes. Wait, what was the name again?
8: Laura. Laura. Laura's a
1: she. Laura's a most likely, yeah. She. Okay. Um, What what, what about boats? Why are boats she's? Do you know? Does anybody
3: know that? I don't. No. Are boats only allowed to be named after female names? I don't. I don't. don't I've never owned a boat.
1: Um the common practice of giving ships female figureheads and names often after deities or members of a shipowner's family. Columbus famously crossed the Atlantic in a ship called the La Santa Maria, named after the Virgin Mary. Okay. So the reason is because they usually had a the uh the figurehead on the boat. Okay. So there you go.
8: Okay uh let's see coronavirus cases in the u.s are on the decline but schools are now becoming a hotspot. university of alabama reported 500 cases less than a week after classes started there and at ohio state more than 220 students have been suspended for violating the pandemic precautions that were put in place mm. by by the university so kids are being kids at college, doing what they want to do and partying and getting together. 70,000 new COVID cases in children in the U.S. That's up 21 percent. And then did you hear that Usain Bolt contracted uh, coronavirus? So he he tested positive.
1: Do you think you would have been a student who would have adhered to the guidelines of the COVID restrictions when you were in college, or would you have been one of the people at the parties?
8: I am a rule follower and a germaphobe. So yes, I would be, I would be <laughs> in my dorm room.
1: Because Bill yeah. and I have said all along, we would have been the ones at the parties.
3: I would have been at the party, but I don't know if I would have been doing the butt luges. You know, like I wouldn't have been flagrantly disobeying the guidelines. I probably would have showed up to the party, and been outside, like on the patio. Yeah,
1: I think once it got to this point in it, I think I would have party through the summer, and then once school started and uh, it got real, I probably would have had a fairly huge bubble. I would have stayed away from the five hundred person parties but had a bubble of like, you know, sixty people.
3: But weren't you in a frat at Penn State? Yeah. That's so, that would have been tough. Because that seems like yeah. it's gonna be ground zero for a hey, lot look, of this activity. Th-
1: there were a lot of diseases we were trying to avoid back then.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's not as contagious yeah. as the coronavirus.
3: But self-contained, you know, like it's not super easy. You couldn't. I mean, I guess we all we all knew at least one super spreader.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Usually. Well, never mind.
8: (laughs) And Starbucks is launching pumpkin spice earlier than ever before. So you can now get your pumpkin spice latte. I did stop in Starbucks yesterday and just ordered my, you know, generic iced coffee. And the guy was very excited to tell me that if we have pumpkin now, if you want to add pumpkin, and I was like, I hate pumpkin. No. Why would I do that?
7: It's
8: <laughs> August.
1: I like, Look how excited you made the guy seem. FYI, pumpkin IRL. Well,
8: he Well, He said it like it was like, yeah, we're giving away free cash. You know, he's like, "We got pumpkin." <laughs> no, uh, no thanks. I I literally hate pumpkin.
3: You crushed his confidence for the rest of the uh, day. I, I,
8: he he gave me that look like, who hates pumpkin?" I do. Yeah, I don't like it.
1: He starts poofing never pumpkin have, clouds at will. you.
8: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, here's the thing about the pumpkin spice: the first time you have it, you're like, "This is all right." admittedly, this is a dessert that is okay. It's a dessert though. And coffee is a different thing. I always say Starbucks and every coffee shop needs two lines. The people who are there for dairy queen or whatever dessert that is that they want to have that has 900 grams of sugar and the people who need fuel. There are people Mm -hmm. dying for a coffee. They don't want any of the other crap and they're in and out of there. And those other people, you got them tied up longer than a bartender at a craft cocktail joint, (laughs) you know, trying to make you Mm -hmm. somebody who hates coffee, putting whipped cream and cherries and you know every other thing and it's a it has no business in the coffee shop i know that's a you
3: know elitist take or whatever but i don't know just regular coffee well some of those coffee shops you just shouldn't go into then like starbucks has the regular coffee there but it's almost like a total afterthought like if you ask for that they look down on you like what you only want this this is the basic entry-level coffee what are you doing
8: And the whole mobile order thing has made me a stupid coffee orderer because now I'm so used to just Mm. hitting a button and I walk in and pick up my coffee that I can't even go in and get the words right if I have to verbally say them now. So yesterday the mobile (laughs) app wasn't working, so I had to go in. And so I, I looked at my phone to read the order that I was getting for me and my husband, which was... Two iced coffees. I'm like, grande iced coffee, light <laughs> ice, add a shot. And the lady's like, oh, you're reading it from your phone. Okay.
3: You're supposed to have Did a you Do you ever get
1: somebody? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is like your audition for an American pickle. You came in unprepared.
8: I was so unprepared. I just, I like to hit the mobile order. Boom. And then I walk in and I walk out. It's like the greatest invention ever. Do you ever We're offer to get around. somebody a
1: coffee when you're going to a coffee shop? They're like, where are you going? You're like, I'm going to Starbucks. You want something? And then the second you say you want something, you're like, oh God, why did I do that? And they come back with the yes, I would like skim latte, ma- macchino, grande. <laughs> blah, blah. They give you the like 50 things and you're mm-hmm. like, I'm not doing that, dude. Do you want a coffee or do you like, <laughs> this is not a dessert bar.
8: And you can't do that anymore, right? Back in the day, you could say, hey, you want a coffee? Because it was like 50 cents, 99 cents. That's true. And you grab one of those styrofoam cups with a lid. And now if you ask somebody if you want a coffee, it's like $5 later. (laughs) Because it's just a concoction of what you're talking about. And it's five bucks. So that's an investment, financial investment, if you ask somebody if they want a cup of coffee.
1: Do you remember your first coffees? Do you remember getting when it was that you got turned to coffee?
8: Mm-hmm. I do, yeah. Yeah. I was I was late to yeah. the game. I was in my mid-20s.
1: Oh, you didn't drink it in college?
8: No, I drank tea. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, it was mid-20s, and I was shooting a story, and the photographer said, let's get a cup of coffee. And I said, yeah, I, I don't drink coffee. I don't know anything about it. And he got me a hazelnut coffee oh yeah black no this was it was it was flavored hazelnut black coffee and it was spectacular and then ever since then i started drinking coffee
1: that one gets you hooked i got hooked because working on the the trucks at the carpet store when i was a kid uh Every summer you had to do the cleaning, like one summer growing up, you had to be on the cleaning trucks where you went on clean carpets and you, then you ripped up old ones. And the guy that did that was named Dwayne. He was a Vietnam veteran and he was one of the greatest guys I ever knew, but he had an edge to him. And coffee was like, it, 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 it was so necessary that he had his coffee and he would start off his day. And it was an all day thing, cigarettes and coffee, like all day drinking it. So he would start off the day Healthy. by pulling out the coffee pot and then pulling out the filter, putting the filter over his coffee mug and pouring the coffee through again to make it stronger. So he would fill up his cup like his to go with coffee going through the, the uh, grounds one more time just to pull out some extra caffeine. And then he would make stops throughout the day. He would probably be like getting a coffee. And then eventually you're just like, yeah, I'll get one. And so I think I was like 17 or 16 or 17. And I'm like, I was pounding coffees in the summertime, ripping up carpets, and you know, going, you know what? Those camels look good.
3: Give me one of those, too. <laughs> That's savage. I didn't even know you could do that. Pouring it back through the filter to make it stronger. Did yep. he yell at it afterwards? like <laughs> <laughs> And then I shot it. Wow.
1: <laughs> You know what it was, man? It was it was like disturbing because he like had a (laughs) cackle like as he did it. You know what I mean? It was like, is this the thing they do in a movie to show you the characteristics of a serial killer that should have tipped you off?
3: (laughs) Brings out the blowtorch. A lot of people don't do this one. (laughs) WD forty. What what are you? uh, Is this part of the coffee?
1: (laughs) (laughs) He was awesome, man. He was so. uh, Dwayne was the best and.
7: He How also, many- you
1: know, the other thing, and this was always good for the upbringing. He also had some side action going on and he would make, he go stay here. And he would like go in and have these like romps in the middle of the afternoon. Like he was having an affair with, you know, so you'd go and get laid <laughs> and I'd be sitting there and it took me forever to figure out what he was doing. I'm like, what are you doing in there, man? But I didn't care. Cause I was like taking a nap in the Laying carpet.
7: Randy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, well, oh, man, but, but at any rate, yeah, that's when I got, I got hooked on coffee and that and Coca-Cola got me through college diet Coke. Actually, I drank tons of diet Coke. Cause that's what my sister drank. And so our fridge was filled with it and I got addicted to whatever chemical is in there.
3: Was that like the beige can the diet Coke? No, that was caffeine free. That
1: was caffeine okay. free diet Coke. The uh, regular diet Coke was just white. Yeah. And then after drinking that for so long, regular Coke tasted like it was too sugary, so I would just drink Diet Coke. It was really annoying.
8: How many cups of coffee do you do you drink, and do you still drink coffee now?
1: Yeah, my coffee intake oh, yeah. is way down. I, I used to drink close to a pot, and wow, whoa, low, the um. And then I was at half a pot for about ten years, and now I'm I'm down to I have
3: about four cups a little less than that than half you know i feel like the generation had like my my mom drank a pot of coffee for breakfast smoked a pack of cigarettes for lunch and then made dinner like that there was she smoked and drank so much coffee that we had those big huge folgers cans and she yeah. would just dump. There was never a time where she didn't fill the pot to the top. Now, I make my own coffee. I It's like it's what I need for the morning for, you know, whatever it is, four cups. Right. That's it.
1: Right. That's what I do. And as a matter of fact, I started cutting it with half calf too. Have you done this yet? You can get half-caffeinated coffee, which is essentially, you know, one cup, one scoop of regular and one decaf. But they make it so that you can get it no. in half calf now, because I'm starting to think caffeine has really been the thing that's been screwing up just about everything in my life. You know, if I can blame it on one thing, it's really convenient. So recently, I've decided <laughs> that's caffeine.
3: The caffeine is. So terrible I'm trying for to wean off mean, of it. Make no mistake about it. <laughs> it
8: I mean, is. It is best. a. Dr- it is a drug. I have to. I have to have it first thing in the morning. I have to have a cup of coffee as soon as I wake up and I just have one cup a day and that's it. And then all is good. I I don't touch caffeine or, or coffee after my one cup in the morning. But if I don't get my one cup in the morning, uh, I'm a bear.
1: Yeah. I think if I had to quit (laughs) drinking booze or drinking coffee, I, I would rather not be able to drink beer
2: than coffee. Teen and caffeine can't get you through. Amen. Let's take a break and we'll come back. Mike proceeded with your sports here on <laughs> New Roads
7: DVE Sports.
1: He's got your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show and a no hitter last
2: night in the major leagues against the Pirates. Sports this hour brought to you by Dormont app- Appliance. Luis Giolito of the White Sox needed just. 101 pitches to no-hit the Bucks. 74 of his pitches were for strikes. He struck out 13 Pirates in uh, the White Sox 4 nothing victory last night. The only Pirates base runner, shortstop Eric Gonzalez, drew a walk in the fourth inning. He also had a shot to right field to end the game, but uh, the play was made, and the Pirates were no-hit for the 13th time. First no-hitter, in the major leagues this season. Pirates fall to 7-18. and 18. They'll take on the White Sox again this afternoon in Chicago. Trevor Williams against Dallas Keuchel, a two ten start. Steelers uh, still celebrating the news yesterday that Bill Nunn, uh, their former longtime Super Scout and the man who is credited as being the architect of the team of the 1970s, was announced as the contributor finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame's induction class of 2021. The designation as contributor finalist is significant because Nunn isn't going up against any other finalist. He's either going to get 80% of the vote from the 48-member selection committee or he is not. Uh, It's all uh, on Bill Nunn. And uh, one of the members of that committee told me yesterday there's no way Bill Nunn's not going to get 80% of that vote. There has been a lot of buzz about Nunn in recent years, and... Uh, from what I'm told the Steelers organization really got behind uh none this offseason and has been uh, you know, doing what it could to uh further his cause and it looks like all that hard work's gonna pay off, Randy.
1: Wouldn't it be great if Thomas Tall, who uh was so long affiliated with the Steelers, had his motion picture company. Is he still Legendary Pictures? They did a movie about Bill I,
2: Nunn. I think so. That would be incredible. It'd be an amazing that movie. Is, Great idea. I don't know if uh, he sold that company or not, but uh, his Jackie Robinson movie was really good. Yeah, someone should do uh, a movie about t- Bill Nunn. They can do sports movies. Yeah, Bill, Nutt, and you would have to get um, somebody like Denzel Washington to play him, because in addition to all his work, uh, you know, championing the cause of uh, athletes from historically uh, black colleges and universities, and including the Bill Nunn being at the height of the civil rights movement way back. Into the 40s and 50s, Bill Nunn was a really cool guy. E- even later in life, he had style, and uh, there was a there was a personality about Nunn that uh, that just grabbed you and shook you, Bill. Even
3: leading up to the the '74 draft, where they drafted what Mike four Hall of Famers. When they go and they say, "Look, uh, we love Stalworth, but we know that he's going to be around because he's from." A historically black college, and Swan is from a more well-known school, and USC. So he's going to get picked earlier. I mean, just the dynamics and the the behind-the-scenes of how they put that draft together
2: would be a chunk of the movie that would be fascinating. Oh, there there are stories about uh, you know scouting hijinks, uh, hiding hiding film canisters, and uh, faking. Bill Nunn, uh, one of the legends, is that when they went to work out Stallworth. Uh, The track was bad, and he ran a poor 40 time. And at at the time, some scouts uh, from other teams had begun exploring these places, and those guys would travel in small groups. So when the the group was ready to go on to the next school down the road, Bill Nunn faked a cold so he could remain at Stallworth School, and then he worked him out again the next day and got a much better time on him and, of course, didn't (laughs) tell anybody because that's how Bill Nunn rolled. Uh, I think my favorite Bill Nunn story uh, that he ever told me involved when he would go to scout games, he would walk around campus and look to see if there were signs posted anywhere about a dance on campus that night. And if he saw one, he would go to the dance because, uh, according to bill, Nunn, the best uh, or one of the best tests to see if a big guy had any athleticism was if he could get out there on the floor and you move. move. Well, you, know, <laughs> you can move on the dance floor. You can move on the D line. That's you awesome. Know, if you're stiff. if You're stiff and clumsy. Uh, you're going to be stiff and clumsy. Uh, that that kind of stuff. The other thing about Bill Nunn, I'm going to wax poetic a little bit here because he's one of the favorite people I've ever come in contact with in you know my career that dates back into the mid '80s. Uh, he would tell stories and and try to illustrate his points, and they were incredibly detailed and drawn out. And it you had to you know commit to listening to it to before he would get to the point and he would stop at periodic junctures and ask you something that he had said a few moments ago just to make sure you were paying attention <laughs> and if you couldn't give him the right answer it would be a pop quiz in the middle of the story and if he didn't get the right answer he was done with you you got the wave of the hand okay you you're not worth my time kid i'm not i'm not wasting it on you cuz you're not paying attention but if you paid attention he would he would uh open his heart to you and uh, give you every ounce of knowledge and experience that he had about football and uh you know his awesome. all his scouts knew him much better than I did, and uh, the guy was revered. I mean, the Steelers have named the room, the conference room where the scouts watch the tape and where they keep the draft board, uh, and they have their draft meetings. It's the, it's the Bill Nunn room. Um, he's going to be he is the first finalist ever uh, presented for induction to the Hall of Fame that was a scout, and uh, if the wind's blowing the way everybody thinks it is, he's going to be the first scout inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. How can you not have a scout? I mean, they, they have a contributor category. Those guys contribute a great deal. And Bill Nunn's the greatest scout there ever was.
1: Didn't he do an end around on the other NFL scouts after John Stallworth's workout, where he he knew he was faster than his actual workout and he wanted to stay and have him do it again the next day? Because he just felt like, eh, that wasn't, th- that wasn't as good as he can do. And he's like, "Oh, I got to stay back in Alabama one more day. I'll see you he's guys in Galveston illness. tomorrow."
2: He faked an illness. He said he was. Oh, sick. is that what it was? Yeah. So he had to stay back, and then he worked him out again the next day.
7: <laughs> That's pretty awesome. pretty
2: incredible. Pretty incredible stuff. And uh, and then his son, a great actor, over... Radio
1: Rahim in "Do the Right Thing."
2: Bill mm-hmm. Nunn Jr. What? Bill Nunn the, the whole third, sports, uh, actually. I kind of spent the whole sports uh, period talking about Bill Nunn. Yeah. Worth to, it. Want to save the rest for 930? That
1: is time uh, well spent, Mike. Let's do a quick break. We'll come back. Uh, Mr. Skin used to be on the show with, uh, with regularity. He's got a brand new movie out, and it's got Peter Bogdanovich in it, Kevin Smith, Malcolm McDowell, all kinds of actors, actresses, film directors talking about the history of nudity in films. So we'll talk to Mr. Skin when we come back here. Have
7: you listened to podcasts?
1: BBE morning show. My apologies to Purs- Pursuta for making him go back over the same story he just told. As I was nose deep in Bill Nunn trivia trying <laughs> to elicit. <laughs> Bill Nunn the third, his son, the actor, passed away in 2016 in the Hill District. I didn't realize he had lived in Pittsburgh his whole acting career. He was in tons of television shows, tons of movies. He was in the Spider-Man trilogy uh, as well. And his dad now rightfully going to take his place in Canton, Ohio next summer. Most likely. Most assuredly. Most likely. Not a done deal yet, but probably going to happen. All right. uh, Joining us right now on the line... I've always called him the thinking man's pervert. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Dude,
12: how are you there,
1: Mr. Skin? It's been been a little while.
12: Yeah, it's been a while, but no, great talking to you guys, Randy and Bill. Uh, Good to be on again.
1: Okay, so you have not just been sitting idly by here during the pandemic. Uh, You have put together a documentary. Now, there's a movie. It's called Skin, a history of nudity in the movies, but it should be pointed out. This is not just a movie about you and the Mr. Skin no. saga. So what exactly is this all about?
12: Well, it's a real documentary. It's called Skin, A History of Nudity in the Movies. Uh, we've been working on it for about two years. And I have to tell you, I always, um, I always knew there had never been a documentary on the history of nudity in movies. <laughs> and we put this together and... It came out last week, and I got to tell you, the reviews have been unbelievable. I didn't imagine ever getting reviews, you know.
1: He just couldn't take it. Oh, the reviews wow. were so
3: good, he had to hang up. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, get. The- at the it one is. minute mark. <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: Bill, really, at the one minute mark of the interview. Uh, wow. I,
3: uh, the reviews get, have been so good. I just can't talk to you I, anymore. Goodbye. I, I can't talk about it. I love this movie so much. <laughs> it defies explanation. Goodbye. This movie's so good. I'm going to hang up on you. See
1: ya. You know, the funny thing about it, Bill, is like normally when someone gets disconnected, it doesn't sound like they threw the phone no. at the wall, <laughs> yeah, that sounded like 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 one of my brothers screaming on you know when we were kids and then hanging up the wall phone,
7: <laughs> screw
3: right. you, I'm not coming there, bang, dramatically hangs up phone on the wall,
1: yeah, Mr. Skin <laughs> uses the old time dial-up phone. <laughs> Are you there, buddy?
12: Yeah, I'm sorry about that. So anyway, basically what I was saying is we've been working on this thing for two years, and I had known there had never been a documentary on the history of nudity in film. And we're really in the golden age of documentaries between The Last Dance, uh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark on HBO, Tiger King. I mean, documentaries are big. And uh, what the thing I didn't think about when I did this, uh, guys, is – that people would actually review these movies, like real movie sites, and our uh, reviews right. in, in Variety, and Hollywood Reporter, and CNN, even ARP, AARP, which my parents were very excited <laughs> about, uh, recommended uh, this documentary to their uh, you know their membership, and it, it's been incredible week uh, just getting reviews on a movie that you know is a real documentary. It was pretty cool.
1: So, okay, Malcolm McDowell, uh, this is no, like, no-name burgeoning actor. This is an acting legend. Kevin yeah. Smith, Peter Bogdanovich. Peter Bogdanovich is an Oscar winner, man. Like,
12: yeah. this is yeah, it's, big uh, stuff here. Yeah, well, well, to give you an idea, so the documentary, we really, we covered tom, uh, nudity in movies from Thomas Edison, literally when they invented motion pictures, all the way up to the Me Too movement, and... Um, we we went out and talked to many actresses, Mario Hemingway, Shannon Elizabeth, Pam Greer, uh, tons and tons of different actresses. And you mentioned Peter Bogdanovich, Malcolm McDowell, Eric Roberts, obviously a lot of critics, scholars, and film industry people. But uh, what really makes the documentary fun is hearing from actors and actresses. And I should point out, this is the history <clears throat> of male and female nudity, not just... Uh, female nudity, and to hear uh, of their experiences, especially the actresses in the 70s and 80s and 90s, it was, it was a different time uh, for nudity in film, and, and to hear their perspective is pretty cool.
1: Now, what story were you most sort of surprised to hear from these guys in regards to, I would imagine, Malcolm McDowell talking about you know nudity on the set of Caligula yeah, was and, something to okay. behold.
12: Right, and Clockwork Orange and, and stuff. He actually was... A lot of people think he was the best uh, talking head we had because he's so interesting and you think about a guy that was in clockwork orange and and caligula uh two two movies that show up uh, as important in the history of nudity in the movies but uh one of the things that you learn in this is they have this new thing called an intimacy coordinator. Do you guys know what that is it's it's new in movies and <laughs> no. television and it's uh they have them on set when directors. And an actress agreed to do a nude scene in a movie or a television show. A lot of times, that changes around the time the the nudity happens, or maybe the director pushes for something more. Well, with the Me Too movement and everything, they have these intimacy coordinators, coordinators on the set of movies, and uh, they they kind of make sure the director stays to what was agreed upon. There's someone there for the actress, especially you know, to confide in. And I think that's one of the uh, the cool things about this documentary is it's such a stark contrast to like when we were talking to Diane Franklin from Last American Virgin or uh, oh, yeah. Linda Blair, who was in Chained Heat, what it was like in their situations, especially in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, compared to actresses today. Actresses today, there's still a ton of nudity. They're just much more empowered. They have choices, they can say no which is such a difference to some of those actresses in the seventies and eighties, especially.
1: Well, those movies like last American Virgin Valley girl, uh, fast times of Richmond. High. I mean, right around the, you know, beginning of the eighties, that was the time when, you know, there was no porn hub and stuff like that. That was, you know, if, unless you were somehow privy to getting your hands on a porno movie, (laughs) like that was your access to nudity as a, uh, you know, pubescent filled teenager. And so you would, wait through these movies that were not great for you know a a little glimpse of of, you know a boob shot here or there when you're a kid and i i would imagine that that was a big part of the filmmaking that they knew that and that must have been kind of weird in retrospect for the actresses to talk to to, you know talk about their experiences on a movie where there's like okay here's the real big shot of the film which added nothing to the plot
12: well, for example, we spoke with Martha Coolidge, uh, who, would, who was the director of Valley Girl, and she talks about her original script only had uh, two nude scenes, but the producers said you have to have four uh, in this because that's how we're going to make money, and she did extra nude scenes uh, in the movie. And and think about it, you hit it right. There wasn't the Internet or cell phones or computers, so... Um, people went to these movies to see nudity versus today, which we could see it wherever we want, whenever we want. It's, it's a different thing. And one other thing I should mention about <clears throat> this documentary is even though it has over 100 nude scenes featured in, you know, it's two hours, as, as you guys know, w- one of the things I was really worried about was – I didn't, with the Me Too movement and everything else, when we started this, it was right when that Harvey Weinstein stuff happened, I was really worried that people would look at this as, like, kind of tone deaf, like, oh, my God, this is so exploitive, and, and, you know, even with the best intentions, it's easy to fall into exploitation, but in reading the reviews, the thing that I'm most proud of about this documentary is a lot of these reviewers said, you know, almost like, I don't know how they did this, it's not exploitive, and they gave a lot of voice to women. And it's, it's an interesting trip, an interesting history of nudity in film. So very proud of that because it easily could have been like, oh, this is a boob fest or whatever. But it really isn't. It's a, it's a yeah. fun story, but you learn a lot about the history of nudity in film.
1: What was the first movie to have nudity in it?
12: Well, we talk about this. Uh, in the pre-Hays Code era, 1934 is when the Catholic Legion of Decency pretty much put the kibosh on any nudity in American film. But we talk about how in 1915 there was a movie called Purity, where Audrey Munson, who was an actress and act, you know, model, was nude. And, and when you watch a documentary, you're like, wow, they had nudity back then? Well, the very first movie that won an Oscar was 1927's Wings. And Clara Bow, who was the most famous actress in the country at the time, was topless in it. And, um, <clears throat> you know, that is, that's one of the things that I think a lot of people that watch this documentary, as we go from Thomas Edison all the way up to modern day, would will be blown away by the amount of kind of debauchery and, and sex and craziness in movies in the 1920s, uh, even up to like 1934 when the uh, Hays Code came in.
1: So, now, in interviewing European actors, do they think that it's just crazy that the puritanical sort of sensibilities of this country have always made this taboo where you talk about Claire Beau being topless and they're like, big deal top. We have topless women on television over here.
12: Yeah. The, uh, the European actors and actresses <laughs> discuss it. Uh, Malcolm McDowell uh, made fun of uh, America. How like it's fine to have tons of violence and, killing in movies but if someone shows their breasts it's it's horrifying and they got to change the rating so yeah we we address that and it's true it's it's something nudity in our country is looked upon differently than it is in europe and uh i think in europe it's considered beautiful and here it's considered naughty and that's the difference
3: um isn't isn't there a scene and it happened one night where claudette colbert is trying to uh track down a car They're 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 hitchhiking on the side of the road and she hikes her her long dress up just a little bit and that like caused a scandal here like oh my god she's showing mid leg this is a oh, big Oh yeah.
12: Deal. Yeah, oh yeah and we even talk about Claudette Colbert in the documentary she did a 1932 movie called The Sign of the Cross where she is in a milk bath topless and again you're looking at this thinking how did People went to theaters in 1932 and saw naked actresses, but they did. And uh, it, but what you are referring to was after uh, after the uh, Hayes Code, stuff like that wasn't yeah. allowed, and it's it's pretty weird.
1: Okay, so skin: a history of nudity in the movies. It's available from Amazon, iTunes, Vudu. I don't know what what's V-U-D-U, V U D U. I've never heard of that one. Is that like a dirty it's, one?
12: It's, yeah, it's wherever people go to download movies. I even. Kind of showed off to my wife this week. I went on my Directv and it, and downloaded it just to show her that I had a movie on Directv, which was pretty cool. Nice. So yeah, anywhere you anywhere you download uh, movies, uh, skin a history of nudity in the movies and uh, getting surprisingly great reviews, which I'm very proud of. So, congrats,
1: congrats on that, man. I'm happy for you. I mean, you you have always figured out a way to make it work, and it is. Uh, just uh, so impressive to me that your business acumen in regards to what you do has always been the thing that has made it go. Because if you didn't make adjustments along the way, this would have just been another website that went by the wayside, but you have always been able to adapt.
12: No, well, thank you. And uh, I'll tell you, when I started MrSkin.com 21 years ago, I never dreamed I'd still be doing it 21 years later. And same with this movie. Even two years ago when we started it, I really thought, yeah, it'll be on VOD. Maybe a couple websites will give us a review, maybe. And here it is. It's like all over the mainstream press, and I'm like, I'm truly yeah. like, how the heck did that happen? I, I had no clue. But hey, uh, if, I guess you got to you, you got to do it to have a chance to do well, I guess. So.
1: Yeah. Well, congrats mm-hmm. to you and uh, and the whole Skin team and Skin Scouts over there, <laughs> and look forward to checking this out. Skin: The History skin of Nudity in the Movies. By the way, Buck. Yeah. Exactly, so the skin turns. Bogdanovich <laughs> was nominated but didn't win an Oscar. I said he won, but I thought he won for for um um Last was it Picture Last Picture Show?
12: Show? Yeah, he he was nominated, right? Yeah, yeah we talked. But that's still, a, that's a that's a pivotal uh movie in our in our documentary, uh, Last Picture Show with Civil Shepherd. That's an awesome one.
1: All right, well, Mr. Skin, uh, a history of nudity in the movies is available on Amazon, iTunes, Fandango, Video on Demand, anywhere you rent movies. Thanks so much, man.
12: Thanks, Randy, Bill. Sorry
1: about that early mess up. Oh, no worries. No (laughs) worries. All right, man. Take care. We'll see you Uh, later on. Bill Bork, the old are making a special appearance uh, for us. Mark Madden will be on at 945. Also, we'll talk about the latest Penn's trade and their assessment of GMJR's latest moves. The NBA playoffs are here. And FanDuel Sportsbook, in partnership with Valley Forge, has a slam dunk offer you won't want to miss right now. New users can get special plus 2,000 odds on any team to make the NBA Finals. Just pick any team. Then you bet 10 bucks for your chance to win 200 if they make it. You can pick favorites. You can pick dogs. It doesn't matter. You get the same odds. Plus 2,000, the ball's in your court. And if you pick correctly, FanDuel will get you your payout in as little as 24 hours. Now, there's plenty of bonus betting to do, too, here regarding the NBA playoffs. They have all kinds of additional bonus bets, including third quarter insurance and final basket bonus. you got to download the app to check it out. It's super easy to use. They give you a whole lot of different deposit options, and there's plenty of different types of bets. Like I said, you can bet throughout the game. They have live betting options. The odds move along as the game moves forward and uh, prop bets on nearly everything you can imagine. All you have to do is download the app, go to com slash Randy online to get started so they know I sent you. You can just do it right. You don't need to have it on your phone. Obviously, you can do it right on your computer by going to FanDuel.com slash Randy. That's how you'll get the hookup. FanDuel Sportsbook, more ways to win. Got to be 21 or older, present in New Jersey or Pennsylvania. New users only. Must wager on designated boost market. Max bonus $200. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> One summer growing up, you had to be on the cleaning trucks where you went on clean carpets and then you ripped up old ones. And the guy that did that was named Dwayne. He was a Vietnam veteran, and he was one of the greatest guys I ever knew. So he would start off the day by pulling out the coffee pot and then pulling out the filter, putting the filter over his coffee mug and pouring the coffee through again to make it stronger. So he would fill up his cup like his to-go with coffee going through the, the uh, grounds one more time just to pull out some extra caffeine and then he would make stops throughout the day he would call you be like getting a coffee
3: that's savage i didn't even know you could do that pouring it back through the filter to make it stronger did no. he yell at it afterwards like <laughs> 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 and then i shot
2: it randy bellman and the <laughs> dde morning
3: show susan Copin is here
1: Joe just showed me Rob Rossi posted a picture of his new tattoo of Bruce Springsteen. Now, he has another one of the Rolling Stones. I, I remember when he got the Rolling Stones, but he's got his entire right arm is Bruce Springsteen. But I think he needs to get it redone because it looks like Frankenstein. It looks like,
3: Frankenst- <laughs> it looks like- <laughs> Bruce Frankenstein. <laughs> looks like Bruce Autumnstein. But when we
7: kiss...
11: Ooh, fire! <laughs> fire! You know, I, I'm sure you can get it touched up. <laughs>
8: <laughs> it's very large. It is
1: huge. It Well, he's the boss. You know, you got to give him a lot of arm space. If you're going to put one on there. You can't just have a tiny mm. Bruce Springsteen tattoo. You got to commit. Tiny boss. Yeah, no, that doesn't work. So he has Mick and Keith on one arm and Bruce on the other. Dude, we should we should hire him to put a DVE logo in his chest. I mean, he's (laughs) he's he's Led Zeppelin and ACDC away from being our playlist. (laughs) Susan Copen's filling in for Val with some news this morning. Hi, Susan.
8: Hello. Hello. I have, I'm tat free. I have no tattoos of any kind. Me
1: neither. I can't no, commit. I'm just too indecisive.
8: Yeah. I can't commit. Could not commit. Yeah. Um, I
1: always, when the waitress walks away after I order lunch, I always go, I shouldn't have ordered that. So I can't get a tattoo. You know what I mean? Like I'll immediately regret <laughs> same.
8: it. Same. Same. Yeah. Same yeah. thing and with, just the, don't with get the ordering and the restaurant.
7: Sandwich.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Every time you order, you're like, <laughs> I always need an insurance uh. order.
8: Like, I really didn't want that. And then I tried to convince everyone at the table to order all the other things that I kind of wanted. So if I (laughs) don't like my meal, I can then eat their meal because they will feel bad that I'm crying that I don't like my meal and they'll switch.
3: Or you could be like Sally Wiggin and just not order anything and eat everybody else's food.
8: You could do that as
3: well.
1: Sally walked in one time to a dinner. A bunch of us were having like a bunch of friends and uh, she, Carissa Pieda was sitting uh, and they had not met. And Sally said, I'm starving and grabbed a fistful of her salad and shoved it into her mouth. <laughs> I'm not lying.
7: Salad, not finger food.
3: Not, not a finger food.
7: <laughs>
3: She's like, oh, oh I'm starving. That who, who grabs, me.
1: <laughs> who grabs a fistful of salad? <laughs> Sally does. Sally does. All right. Well, you know, we've got to very little news this morning. uh, So anything you want to throw at us here, we're we're game for.
8: Okay. well, that's why I love coming on here because I'm supposed to do the news. And then we like talk about everything except the news. (laughs) Super fun. But I do like I do like this story. And there's 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 video um, all over the Internet of this. A little four year old girl was rescued after she was swept out to sea riding on her little unicorn float. And she even had the little floaties around her, her arms. So she got away from her mom and dad, floats like a half mile out to sea, and then is rescued no by a ferry oh, yeah. boat in Greece. And there's video of the the guys on the boat just like scooping her up out of the ocean and carrying her on on board. And this this seems to be a thing that maybe parents aren't paying attention because a kid in Massachusetts just got swept out. And this little girl got swept out on a an orange float. They rescued her. And then, uh, do you remember last month in New York City, the two people who had to be rescued? in the East river because they were on they're one of those giant swan floats. It was, you know, sweltering day in New York city. So they thought it was a good idea to get in the East river. Yeah. And then they get swept into heavy Marine traffic, with like, <laughs> you know, boats cruising by and had to be rescued.
1: I watched Jaws last week and one of the things that I thought was like, you know, you have to suspend disbelief watching any movie, but the one thing right in the beginning is the, the mom who kind of just loses sight of her kid. She's like, yeah, whatever. And I'm thinking like, man, with today's helicopter parents, that is, that is something that would never happen like oh just go ahead run out into the water my only kid like that is not going to happen <laughs> from a uh, a single mom like it does to i can't remember the kid's name it's like christopher wilkins or something like that in the movie but you two being parents i can imagine having kids near a pool or at the beach has to be less than a relaxing
3: scenario for you the reason that that will never happen in this generation is because we all grew up watching Jaws. We were like, okay, <laughs> well, when it's my turn to be a parent, my kid will not be out of my arm reach.
7: Yeah.
1: Susan, do you always find that to be like or not anymore, but when they were smaller, that had to be kind of harrowing.
8: Well, every year we go to Hilton Head. <clears throat> excuse me, we go to Hilton Head. We didn't end up going this year because of COVID, but there are sharks. I mean, you can see sharks in the water from the beach. And I do not go past my ankle in that water. My kids Mm -hmm. will go, you know, chest deep. And I'm always watching them thinking, Oh, please don't be eaten by a shark, please. They go in a group. So I'm like, all right, cluster in the middle. My kids stand in the middle. Let your cousins stand on the outside. <laughs> and so I'm always yelling, yelling at them to come back in and come back in. And they're like, what? we're fine. We're fine. The sharks aren't going to get us. So that is my panic. The water there is very gentle. Yeah. So I'm not worried about, about them you know, drowning, but I'm always worried. I'm always looking for a fin.
3: Using the cousins as a human force field is uh is a pro move.
8: (laughs) (laughs) Send the oldest cousin out first, then see what happens.
1: That's like the I don't have to outrun the bear, I just have to outrun you logic.
3: Well, I mean a pretty analogy. I always I, I always try to tell people like when you have kids five years old or under you're basically a lifeguard at a really frantic wave pool where none of the kids can swim. And so you have to be on high alert. I didn't have a conversation I didn't finish a conversation until my kids were six years old. Like if you started a conversation with me, every conversation was a cliffhanger. I'm not going to find out how it ends because I'm not going to stick around.
8: So true. So true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's great. That's great. Hold on one second. Hold on.
8: What are you doing? <laughs> Pretty much. I do. I do see the jealousy in the mom's eyes of you know the women I know who have the little kids and mine are you know 14, 13 and eleven. They're like off doing whatever they want in the pool, and there's there's that mom jealousy of oh I really want to be able to sit down and have a glass of wine too, but I can't because I have to watch my kids. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I have friends who were straight up heckling my brother and sister-in-law because they have a baby. And they're like, ah, not us. We're almost done. And they're like, high five. And they're like, I I don't even want to look at what you're doing over there. Go ahead. You take care of the baby. I'm having a cocktail. (laughs) Like they are heckling on their way out of parenting. Because they're almost done. They almost have all the kids out. I just thought that was so funny. I'm like, you could be a little nicer about it. They're like, nope, don't miss that at all. (laughs)
3: Senioritis.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, go clean a diaper and enjoy it. Not us. We're done with diapers. I don't know. I feel for you guys. I have the utmost respect for people who who have the ability to do that. I don't know how you stay sane. Like, I forgive my mom for being nuts every time I talk to her. I'm like, well, it's really our fault. Like it, it really is our fault. I can't stay mad at you. We made you like this.
8: Yeah. Yeah. I see. I have become my, I have become my mom and now I just want to call her and say, oh, I'm so sorry. I was a horrible, rotten person.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know know what though? Like, it's so nice. We always talk about, like, I love that Bill's girls are always jumping in on the zoom and saying good morning to him and everything. And like, even hearing you interact with your kids. You can tell that you have a good relationship with your kids. It's different from the one that I had with my parents. Just by the way, just the minimal conversation I heard you have where the son's like, what's that, mom? Oh, yeah. okay, it's over here. Like, it's so nice and like respectful. And I feel like all the dialogue that we had growing up was a shouting match on both sides, like both sides at fault. But kids yelling at parents, parents yelling at kids. Where is it? Where'd you leave it? I don't know. Get out of the house. You know, like,
8: <laughs> he was like, oh, it's over there. <laughs> it depends on the time of day. It's still early, Randy. Yeah. Everybody's just waking up.
3: You know, yeah. who's, uh, it's the old as good as Phil... it's going to get <laughs> right at the beginning.
1: <laughs> the old two niner, Phil Bork is on the line right now. And before we get to the hockey talk, he's no stranger. The uh, Phil, the old two niner he, he's uh, already raised a couple of babies, and you got another one on the way, buddy. No. What? What,
13: <laughs> what are you talking about?
1: <laughs> Congratulations, two niner! I the big news. You're getting married. You got a new, a new baby on the way. I mean, dude, time I, for I, this baby is...
3: talk. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, uh, man! I say. mean.
1: This is what you
3: say
13: on the air, but I'd love to hear what you're saying
1: off the air.
13: Yeah, you oh, would. <laughs> buddy.
1: No 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 no. I'm excited for you, but everything we were just talking about, you already got past that diapers phase and you're going right back into it now. Right
3: to the oh, back, right here, back in right to the beginning yeah, of Candyland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: no uh no dipping the toe in the water. I'm diving
13: head first, right back in again. Uh and completely fearless. I'm giddy with excitement. Um, Good. I know people. Are, I know what people are saying. I would say the same thing. Go. What the holy Moses? Is this guy doing? He's 58 years of age. He wants another kid. Absolutely. Listen. I, I don't. Care. I'm not going to get all Mark Madden on you or anything like that. But I don't. Who knows how long we're going to be here on this this great planet of ours? You
0: know. And
13: uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going back in, boys. Wish me luck.
1: I'm I i could not be happier for you. We're gonna amend the uh, the uh, hockey talk song to include baby talk. So every once in a while we'll we'll get a baby <laughs> update from you. It'll be time for baby talk. But for now, oh, yeah. well, you know on my Twitter we know what time you know, it maybe, is, Joe. There'll be a couple pictures flying. Not for
7: hockey talk. This is gonna rock. There's no one finer than the tonight.
1: It's the old two-niner Phil Bork joining us uh, right now and uh, our friend Susan Copen here as well. And uh, of course, we could talk parenting with you all day because I'm sure that the the three of you could commiserate uh, nonstop (laughs) on the challenges of uh, parenting through COVID and a pandemic and just in regular times. It's no easy task, but there is hockey talk to be had here in the form of GMJR's latest moves, break down your take on the trade, grade them for me. Who got the best of this one, Toronto or the Pens?
13: Well, I think on just first blush, you would say Toronto. I mean, the 15th overall pick, I mean, that's a pretty high pick for a guy that I still think is a bit unproven in this league. Uh, Nobody can deny his talent and potential, you know, stardom. Um, He's that good. He could be that good. Uh, but there's been a lot of players come down the turnpike with a boatload of talent and, uh, you know, the old, all the tools and not the toolbox, you know. And so we'll see if, uh, if Safari <laughs> can put it together play, playing with the Penguins. Um, I think once you start to really break it down and, and look at it, um, it's probably a good deal for, for both teams. Uh, because it seems like Kapanen was a little bit smothered there in Toronto down the totem pole he went. As far as you know, certainly not getting power play time with you know Marner and Matthews and Tavares and all this other uh, high-priced talent in front of him, uh, that he was was a little bit, um, I think, uh, moved down the the lineup where you really couldn't see how good he could be. He's going to get a good look here. I mean, Jimmy has already said that he's going to play with Sid or Gino, right hand shot, uh, tons of speed. You just can't deny. The speed and the skill. I mean, uh, he's he's a special talent, uh, but you know, I think he's kind of at the point of his career where uh, he's gotten over that that being that first rounder with all these expectations uh, because he really hasn't met them yet. Uh, and I think now he's kind of at that crossroads of still being a, a bit of a young stallion, if I if you if you know what I mean, of of enjoying uh, being an NHL player but also realizing this is your craft. It's time to be a man. It's time to grow up. It's time to produce and, uh, and, you know, show more than just a, uh, a young kid with a lot of speed and a lot of potential. The next this will be two big years for him that he has left on his contract. Uh, but you can't deny how good this kid could be.
2: Porky, it, it seems like lately it's a perpetual messing with the top six. Uh, how badly do they need to fix the defense, and how do they do that?
13: Well, I don't have a great answer for you uh, because a lot a lot of things have to happen. I mean, uh, it, it certainly doesn't look like Justin Schultz will be back, um, and this this young kid Josh Maniscalco, uh, you don't know if he's going to come in uh, and maybe be a you know a John Marino. Who knows? You know, we didn't expect a John Marino come out of nowhere. Um, it'll be interesting what happens in free agency. Uh, you know does you know does uh, does Jimmy pull the trigger on another big deal? Because I consider this big this a big deal. This is this a big hockey deal he made with Kapanen and with Toronto because that fifteenth overall pick I think is still going to be a really good player. Uh, but I think for me, Mikey, it's not so much the defense. I think the defense is fine when you look at what we have uh, in our in our. Our sixth defenseman that we have. I know a lot of people want to jump on Jack, but Jack's fine. Get off that. I just think that's stupid. People, listen. Jack can be better. Let's just leave it at that. But Jack is a he's a number five defenseman, number six defenseman, and let's just leave it alone. I think what's more pressing for me is our there's our bottom six, especially our third line. We need, we need that identity. You know, is is it going to be Patrick Hornquist on the right side? Is it going to be Jared McCann if you can re-sign him in the middle? Uh, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, Mikey. I'd like to see Brandon Tannath be up on that third line. I think he's got more talent uh, than people want to give him credit for. I'm not talking about offensive talent. Uh, he's an energy guy, obviously. Kills Penley, obviously. But I think on that fourth line, as good as that fourth line is, I think you could plug a Sam Lafferty on that right side and elevate a Brandon Tannath to give yourself more of an identity on that third line.
1: The old two niner Phil Bork. Hey, uh, we're, we're pressed for time, but thanks for uh, joining us you today. Know, doing a little. Uh, you're
13: gonna have me back then.
1: Well, I'll, dude, I'll come back tomorrow. <laughs> paint the fence as much as you want, my friend.
13: No, I don't I, I don't like coming on these small little snippets. You're gonna, if you're gonna
1: get me up in the morning, Randy, I, I need more time. <laughs> <laughs> he gave- yeah, eight minutes is actually that's that's right on where it's supposed no, to be. No, I just always go super business. long with the two niner oh, because you, what do you, got you, know. you got Madden coming on next. Is that why you're kicking yeah.
13: out?
1: Yeah, that's right, and he he gets really super mad.
13: Well, yeah, I know, I know, he's 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 just a grumpy old guy. I know. Give him his he's, time. Well, you he's know, have me back on. We got more hockey talk to go.
1: Did you see Rob Rossi's Bruce Springsteen tattoo?
13: I, I can't look at it. I, it, it disturbs me. It's it, it's awful. It's just it's just awful. I'm gonna. Isn't there a show on where they they fix really bad tattoos? Is that what that called? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's you it's you like tattoo redo
1: on. or something. Yeah.
13: Oh. God. Botched. Help him. Botched. Is that really Bruce Springsteen? <laughs> Bruce Frankenstein. It looks like Darth Darth Vader or something. <laughs>
3: Darth Springsteen, Darth <laughs> Springsteen,
7: lads. <sighs> <sighs> <legs.
2: sighs> <sighs> oh my God!
1: The old two niner <laughs> <laughs> billboard, Porky. Thanks so much, buddy.
13: Thank you, Crow Randall. Is that Sally? No, Susan. Copa. No, it's Susan. Susan. Oh, it's Susan. Okay, let me let me start over again. Randall, Susan and Michael I enjoyed our time together (laughs) and that's what
1: Alaska and Hawaii DVE Sports Mike Pursuto with your
2: sports here on the DVE Morning Show, Mike The Pirates search for that elusive first base hit of a two game series against the White Sox continues this afternoon when Trevor Williams takes on Dallas Keuchel, the Bucs got no hit last night by Lucas Giolito, a very good pitcher and uh, a guy who, uh, since uh, having the highest ERA in baseball a couple of years ago, has transformed himself into one of the best in the business. Uh, that said, uh, the lineup he took on last night included uh, nine of ten batters faced who were batting two twenty nine or lower and seven who were hitting under two hundred, including pinch hitter Jose Osuna, who made it out and uh, exited with an average of one twenty nine? Who was he pitching he for? The, the Slumber Company. <laughs> Not good. Bucks. Bucks fall to seven and eighteen. They're hitting two twenty one as a team. Uh, I've talked a lot about Bill Nunn today. Uh, the Steelers organization finding out yesterday that Nunn has been identified as the contributor finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame's class of twenty twenty one. If he gets 80% of the vote from the selection committee, he's in. It's a a Bill Nunn uh, election. He's he's running unopposed, even though there are other decisions to make regarding that 2021 class. Uh, Nunn will get thumbs up or thumbs down just based on his own merits because of his position as a contributor finalist. Uh, If you are a diehard Steelers fan, and I know a lot of people that uh, are listening to us fall into that category, there's two books that you really need to read. Do you want to be a student and an authority on Steelers history one is called about three bricks shy of a load written by a guy named Roy yep. Blount Jr. which is just a one of the best sports books I ever wrote and this read excuse me and the second is uh mm-hmm. the definitive Bill Nunn story the color of Sundays by Andrew Conte you read those two books you are up to speed on the history pretty much of the Steelers organization you won't regret it. Uh, Bill Nunn remains a legendary figure to this day in the Steelers organization. Uh, consider uh, Mike Tomlin's reaction yesterday. He opened his post-practice media session talking about Bill Nunn.
10: First, let me start by saying how excited we are as an organization uh, that Bill Nunn took a significant step, another step closer toward the Hall of Fame recognition as a contributor. Um, we were just also honored to be associated with him, and we're just tickled that that, you know, he's going to get the recognition that he deserves. And, uh, we sharing that joy with his family and, uh, just exciting day for us.
2: Yeah. If if you're lucky, you run into a few people that are just larger than life. Every once in a while, Bill Nunn was one of those, Uh, Bill, I can't get out of here today without giving you some more red meat. I know how much you like it, uh, as it relates to the Steelers. Give a listen to, uh, TJ Watt talking via the zoom, about what he and bud dupree might be able to achieve this season as a outside linebacker tandem what's thinking about destruction not numbers
11: i don't I don't know if there's necessarily individual goals nothing public that i know of I, i'll never publish my my individual goals um but there's always i, I just want to i want to be able mm-hmm. to be a game record. i want to be able to be somebody that the other team has to scheme around and i know that the same goes for bud as well and uh, we push each other each and every day, and he learns new moves throughout the offseason, and so do I. And uh, just making sure that there aren't many times in practice where we're just kind of sitting on the sidelines, not working on our game. Um, if it's a special teams period neither of us are out there, we're trying to be on the sidelines, uh, trying to help each other out, become the best players that we could possibly be.
2: What's oh. big game record,
3: Bill. <laughs> game I like wrecker. It. The, the wrecking crew, him and Bud.
2: Let's go. You know, it's it's worked a few times previously in Steelers history with, when they had two really good outside linebackers. <laughs> uh, good good things usually happen, and uh, Keith Butler, the defensive coordinator, thinks he's got a couple of good ones this time around.
4: I'm glad we got them. Uh, they're going to be a couple of guys that's going to be hard to deal with, but is probably a little bit bigger than TJ. But TJ is still uh, advancing uh, in his pass rush, and and he's a problem for a lot of people. Because uh, he does a great job of using his hands when he rushes the passer, does a good job in in the uh, in recognizing the difference in pass and run and play action and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, so is so is Bud. Bud's a big, strong guy, and uh, uh, he's going to be hard to handle. Uh, both those guys. I'm glad we got both of them. They're going to be a big part of our defense, and I think they're going to be a you know major force to deal with. Uh, when offenses try to line up and play against us, and as uh, long as uh, they're doing that, and uh, I think we'll be okay. We probably need to try to get a little bit of depth out of uh, you know our guys behind him, and so uh, behind them, uh, so uh, we can keep them fresh in the game, and and maybe uh, when we have to close out a game, those guys can be uh, fresh in, in that situation too.
2: Yeah, that's where Alex Highsmith comes in, the third-round pick out of North Carolina, Charlotte. He got the the uh, thumbs-up from Mike Tomlin this week, as did second-round wide receiver Chase Claypool from Notre Dame. It looks like, again, it's we're talking about practice, and it's not real yet, but uh, judging on what we have seen so far, which is all we can judge it on, everything is moving full speed ahead in terms of those guys being the impact players that the Steelers were hoping they would become when they drafted him we hit uh, the Penguins trade pretty hard with Borky Uh, I don't think it was a good deal Uh, I think it's a reach Uh, Kasperi Kapanen Toronto tried him as a as a top six guy last year it didn't work out he had a good year the year before 20 goals but uh, ended up uh, being iffy uh, in Kapanen's uh, estimate uh, last season Penguins not only give up the 2020 first round pick 15th overall Uh, Part of the package to Toronto is 2018 second rounder Philippe Hallander, uh, who's playing in Sweden. But uh, according to the people who like to rate NHL organizations, he was one of the Penguins' better prospects. Uh, They're they're still trying to plug holes in the dam, Randall. I don't don't know. uh, The water may be ready to just pour over the top.
1: As GMJR lost the Midas touch. Mm. Or will this all turn to gold? It's
2: Mark be, it's Madden will be determine more common.
7: that.
1: Double M joining us when we come back. Susan Copen's been hanging out with us all morning long, and it is a pleasure to uh, to to just BS with you. We didn't get to a much news, which is fine, because all the news seems to be terrible. So I like that we avoided most of the <laughs> terrible stuff and just <laughs> talked about <it.
7: laughs> But as I said
1: earlier in the intro of the show, when you're on the show, it all seems legit. Like you could order lunch and it would sound like the news.
8: Well, I love coming on and talking to you guys. It's so fun. It's a nice, it's a nice change of pace for me.
1: Multiple Emmy Award winner. And now four Emmy nominee, four time Emmy nominee for the latest batch. You are nominated four more times. When are those awards?
8: Uh, they're gonna be in September. And normally there's okay. you know a big, huge celebration. Uh usually it's in Philly. Last year it was in Pittsburgh, uh, but they're just gonna do it virtual this year obviously. So right. sometimes we'll, we'll have a big party for September. you. If you,
1: you end up winning, we're going to have a huge party for you here. We're going to celebrate your Emmys on the air here. Mm-hmm.
8: Okay. I'll come on and, uh, and I'll, I'll hopefully have four of them sitting behind me.
7: Yeah, <laughs> oh, exactly. Man. Yeah. Like that'll be awesome. Don't be
8: fooled. Don't be fooled by anyone who's like, Oh, it doesn't matter if I win. It's just great to be nominated. No, it's good to be nominated, but Hey, I like to win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: See, it's that kind of honesty that has made you the trusted news personality you've been
8: <laughs>
1: for the last 20 years. Susan Copen, thank you so much.
8: All right, guys. Thank you. Good to see everybody.
1: Okay. Talk Good to you to soon. You. Double M. Mark Madden next.
8: However, you listen to
7: podcasts.
1: Randy Bauman in the DB Morning Show. Thanks to Susan Copen for hanging out with us. She'll be back on Friday, filling in as Val is out this week. I'll be off next week, leading up to Labor Day weekend, and coming back from that, we will be just days away from the Steelers starting their season, Mike. And they continue to get good news on the the suppression of uh, the disease front as the virus seems to have been kept at bay by the NFL to this point.
2: Yeah, other than that uh, rash of false positives from uh, the lab in New Jersey that really affected, I think it was 11 teams last weekend. Uh, I think it's gone about as well as they could have hoped, if not better, in, in terms of keeping everybody available.
1: Um, which is named, uh, uh Giolito getting the no-hitter against the Pirates last night. What was the team...
2: Batting average for the Buccos going into that game? Uh, coming out of that game, it's 221. So I imagine it was a little higher going in. But uh, 13, <laughs> strikeouts out of, 13 strikeouts <laughs> out of 27 outs. <laughs> the highest average in the lineup was Eric Gonzalez, the shortstop. He was hitting 261. Did you see the athletic article on the scout that discovered Polanco.
1: And he was like, the the pirates ruined him. They ruined him. And apparently, the Buccos mm-hmm. had fired this guy a few years ago. So I'm like, okay, well, how much, you know, how much stock can we put in what he says, you know, if your ex is saying bad things about you? <laughs> you know, like. They
2: but, turned him homeless, into LP calf coffee. Your ex saying bad things about you is one thing, but if you happen to be. Homeless, drunk, and jobless, she might be right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Mark Madden, Double M, joining us right now on the morning show. Good morning, Mark. How are you?
0: Good morning, Randall. How are you?
1: Good. Did you see Rob Rossi's Bruce Springsteen tattoo?
0: Uh, I don't want to. I don't think. Why?
1: <laughs> he posted it on social media. Joe, our producer, just sent it to me, and uh, I was—it's—it's it's enormous. It's like his whole right arm, like upper right arm.
0: Yeah, and he and he's getting his whole back tattooed too.
1: He's way into it now. I said he had the stones on one side, Springsteen on the other. We really got to get a DVE logo on the front and just make him a walking billboard.
0: <laughs> he should get Joe Grishecki's face tattooed over his.
3: <laughs> just Just do that wall at Permani's on his back,
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it i I wouldn't say that Rob's having a midlife crisis. I just think he's playing crazy.
1: Oh, yeah, I don't think he's having a midlife crisis he's a He's an eccentric guy. I like Rob. uh all right, so let me ask you this. Have you ever had a tattoo? No, would you ever get a tattoo?
0: At this point, no. Uh, My generation, unless you joined the military, uh, it wasn't much of a tattoo generation. Uh, No, I I really don't think so. If I did, I'd probably get – I'm just going to say, I think, like, sports teams' tattoos are pathetic. I I don't know what I'd get if I got something. I I can't think of anything that I wouldn't feel embarrassed about, uh, especially when I get old. But, Dad, on, I just realized I am old, so what's the
3: difference? How about have you ever seen the Flyers win the cup?
0: Well, too wordy, Bill, and then what if they do and they might this year, although they got killed in game 1.
1: Would you yeah, would you do music or wrestling?
0: I wouldn't do wrestling. Um uh, if I got any here's the one tattoo I thought about getting. I thought about getting LFC 92 tattooed across my knuckles. Liverpool Football Club, 1892, the the year they were founded. But uh, that's dumb, too. Uh, You know, a penguin tattoo is so cliched. You know, a UFO tattoo. Again, all this kind of makes me, it's just weird. It's just stuff that would make me cringe. So, again, if it's for somebody else, it's for somebody else. Maybe I could get uh, Michael Shent, Pete Way's face tattooed across my face. That would be good.
2: I like that. What about that liver What about the Liverpool logo? What is that a chicken on a globe or what's the your your it's Twitter avatar? It's Steely
0: McBean Pursuta. <laughs> Uh no, it's it's the Liver bird. 19 times champions of England, 6 times champions of Europe. Please, a little respect.
1: Okay, so uh I'm anxious to hear your assessment of GMJR's trade.
0: Well, I think a first-round pick's a little much to give up. I'm not outraged, just a little much to give up. I do like Kaspari Kapanen. Uh, By the time the number 15 pick overall gets to the NHL, you know, Sid's 36 or 37, and Gino's back in the USSR. So uh, if you're going to keep the core together, which they apparently want to do, and Rutherford says they're going to do, then you can't rebuild. You can't rebuild around that core and around what you're paying those guys so you just got to take a shot at trying to reshape the team around what you got and take a run. And it probably won't work out good. It'll probably wind up at it like Detroit and Chicago and with the LA Kings where you got these older stars who aren't as good as they were and the team kind of disintegrated around them. So if that's what you want, that's what you're going to get. And I'm not sure it's anybody's fault when it's happened with those other three very good organizations. It's just, the cap era, you don't get to win forever, and, and the Penguins aren't. Uh, again, I like Kapanen. I think they gave up maybe a bit too much for him. Maybe they can get a bit more back than they expected for Matt Murray, although I don't think so. I think you've got you know, three really good unrestricted free agent goalies out there in Holtby, Leonard, and Markstrom. Murray's restricted. He is young, but you've got to trade for him, then sign him to a contract, and by all accounts, he wants too much and for too long. And I don't think that's going to happen given the decline in revenue because of the pandemic. So the the penguins might be lucky to get even just a third round pick for Matt Murray. That's kind of what I'm predicting. They do get.
1: Mark, uh, the buckos were no hit yesterday and there were some people.
0: (laughs) Woo. That was great. I watched the, I watched the last three innings. They looked like rusty gates blowing in the wind. It was absolutely embarrassing. (laughs) Dude only threw 101 pitches. They couldn't even work him deep in the count.
1: Giolito said after the seventh inning, I've got six outs. We're going to make this happen. I looked at who was coming up and was like, this is very much in the realm of possibility.
0: <laughs> well, well, in, in the fourth inning, he could have said, I got 15 outs. I'm going to make this happen. It seemed a foregone <laughs> yeah. conclusion a bit earlier than that. I mean, kid pitched a pretty good game. I, I give him credit, but the, the pirates had that hiccup over the weekend where they won three straight over Milwaukee. A team also struggled. It was like, Oh, these are the real pirates. Beat them bucks. Here we go. Only four games out of a playoff spot. They unequivocally stink. The GM's an amateur. The manager's an amateur. Gregory Polanco is the worst player in Major League Baseball, and it won't get any better. All you people listening out there, you will die before the Pirates make the playoffs again.
1: And on that note, I just want to thank Mark Madden for being on the program today. (laughs) That's it? We're running running way behind today, but I'm willing to talk about more stuff if you want. I know Bill Nunn being added to the Pro Football Hall of Fame is a big, big deal. So I wouldn't mind hearing your take on that. We're, I'm willing to alert the affiliates that we're going along.
0: Well, I, I, I've been beating the drum for Bill Nunn for quite some time. I wrote a column months ago saying that he deserved to go in the Hall of Fame. And uh, to give you the, the short version, no one in football history arguably has done more for the cause of the African-American in the NFL than Bill Nunn a great football man, a great man period, and uh, I I think he is so deserving of being in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and I I hope he makes it. It's always a bit of a a bit of a bummer when when a guy makes it after he's passed, but uh I, I think it would mean a lot to the Steelers organization. I think it would mean a lot to you know Bill's family. I I just think it's long overdue and very justified and deserved.
1: Agreed. Well said. Thanks so much. Sorry, we got started late today. You usually call a little bit earlier.
0: That's a better finish than just laughing at the Pirates. I'm going to laugh at the Pirates between three and six today nonstop. There's plenty of time for that.
1: I just feel bad for the Pirates. I really do. It's just I feel bad for for Shelton, and uh, I feel bad for Pirates fans who have believed every lie that Bob Nutting has sold them.
0: Well, I think it's hilarious. That's where we differ. I don't feel bad for Shelton. I think he's an amateur. I've seen guys man, at stratomatic baseball and do a better job than that, Rube.
3: I'm starting to regret my Pirates 2020 World Series Champions tattoo that I got on my shoulder.
1: <laughs> Dude, Ross, he's, he's no joke, man. He's going to have a whole sleeve of Classic Rockers before this is all said and done. I'm all for it.
0: Yeah, I, you know, if it's what he wants, it's what he wants. Did you ever see the video of him dancing and, and, and uh, karaoke-ing Mick Jagger at a wedding?
1: No. no. I have video of Pompiani dancing at a charity event, though, that is equally impressive. Oh, no,
0: fine. I don't know where it is exactly. Find the video of Rossi doing Mick Jagger at a wedding. It is unbelievable. It makes the tattoo right. seem like small potatoes. It's it's it's. It's better than the greatest thing you could think of.
1: <laughs> Mark Madden, check him out this afternoon, 105.9 The X. As always, Mark, thanks so much.
0: No, no, thank you.
1: Right on. All right, thanks to Mark. Thanks to Susan Copen for being on today. Thanks to the old two-niner, Bill Pork, Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday, and Greg Warren. Man, we had a packed show today. And if you missed any of it, you can check it out on the podcast. Brought to you by our friends at Bordas and Bordas. It's at iHeart.com. Download the iHeartRadio app. But really, anywhere you get your podcast, you can find us. The DVE Morning Show Podcast. Start to finish each and every day. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to do a mob family fantasy draft with Joe Bartnick and Paul Verzi. Where they're going to be mob bosses. And then they're going to draft their family. That includes wife. Now, it's based out of every Mm -hmm. mob movie or TV show that you want to draw from, you got to pick your mob wife, your mog, mob mob uh, kids, your mob Gumar, uh, your <laughs> consiglieri, captains, henchmen, hitman, all down the line, and they'll explain why, and then we got to figure out a way how to judge this, Bill. I'm not sure how to judge it. That's it. We need to score it. Who picked the better mob family if they were to war against yeah. one another? I don't know. We might need to bring in a third expert for that. I'm not sure. But we'll have that for I'll be you determining tomorrow. Determining who
3: gets the first pick. I mean that's that's gonna be I'm just gonna fun. flip
1: a. c I'm gonna flip a cannoli.
3: <laughs>
7: Isn't it the same uh, on then, both sides?
1: No, there's one size has the top part has uh usually like just a chocolate on, on the it. top, right?
2: Oh yeah, they are about the uh, same. Yeah, I guess I'm thinking of an eclair, yeah. Flip a pizza slice or something, that's you know. There you go. Pepperoni up, Egg crust out. Otherwise, it's going to be like Detroit. It will be an overtime, and it's going to be an argument, and it's going to be screwed <laughs> from the coin toss. <laughs> that's
1: a good point. Maybe I'll let you be the judge of that tomorrow, Mike, being that you are a uh, a mob movie aficionado, although Stan Saverin is I too, am. and he's on the program tomorrow. Big Cat from Barstool Sports will be joining us, so that's all to come tomorrow on the show. And up next, Michelle's got the electric lunch at noon. Have a great day, everybody. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him tight, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald.
13: Would
7: you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Ah! You
9: always say ah at the end of the ride. <laughs>